Hey guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a few others. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And I save the best part for last. It's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Prophetic and practical. Informative and inspirational. How you gonna do better if you don't know what better looks like? I do. Come on, let's talk about it with me, the mind massager. What's up, Reggie? What's going on? Dr. Kev, what's up, man? What's going on, brother? All right, let me give it a couple of minutes to get a few more people to come in. Yeah, if you all want to go to my page and share it now, you can go ahead and share the live stream now. I'm going to give it a couple of more minutes. Let's see if we can have a good conversation tonight. That's all I want to do. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Here come the shares. And everybody that's tuning in now, if, as you come in the room, if you would, please share it as well. Share this stream or tag Five Fathers. I'm going to go ahead and replay this again. I'm going to get all my shares on. Sending me, 
tonight it is all men tonight all right so listen we're gonna go ahead and get this thing started uh it's 904 and uh we're gonna we want to have a good productive conversation tonight so uh we're gonna go ahead and get this started. first of all i want to welcome all of, uh, well welcome back dr kevin you've been here before dr kevin y'all uh reggie and uh uh c ray mont morris that's i'm, I'm gonna introduce you formally in a second but uh, Dr. Kevin came in and he was like father of the year uh, with some of the stories that he told uh, because and we're going to get into his story in a minute because he's 47, 48, 48, Doc? 48 now. 48 yes, with a three-year-old, 48 with a three-year-old. So he's parenting. He started over. So we're going to look at his whole little piece in a minute. But uh, but listen, we got C. Ray Mont Morris, my homeboy from well he's uh we went to school together at pine bluff arkansas but i think you're from moralton right that's right all right from moralton arkansas so we used to be in the choir together under the great the late great late great and a tear will come to my eye by saying this is the late great shelton mcgee late uh and he was a man a man for real and uh so we got some of the same teachings and upbringing so we got some of the same dna and he's doing great things around the world and uh, we're going to introduce him, uh, you know, let him introduce himself even more throughout the conversation going forward. But he is at Be he's the pastor, the proud pastor of the Bethel Baptist Church of Brooklyn, New York. I said that wrong earlier today. And he corrected me so gracefully. And I appreciate that. <laughs> he, he didn't shine on me, but he texted me and said, no, Doc, fix that. But uh, so uh, yeah, introduce yourself, Doc. Tell him, tell him, tell him who you are. Well, yeah, you you said it. We've been friends a long time. And uh I'm glad to be on here with you and uh, glad that you are taking initiative uh, to help us be better fathers. And uh, this is a conversation that needs to be had. But again, I'm from Morton, Arkansas, population about 7,000, and uh, went to college at UAPB. I'm an undergrad degree and, and um, graduated and and began to pastor in uh, 2002, at which, which time I got into seminary mm -hmm. and, uh, and um, graduated with a MTS and an MDA from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary of Fort Worth, Texas. Oh my. And um, I'm currently in my third pastoral assignment uh, at the Bethel Baptist Church of Brooklyn, New York. My second church was the Morningstar Baptist Church in Kankakee, Illinois. And my first church was the 34th Street Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And, all right, uh, all right. Love all those churches, love those uh, people. Um, but my greatest joy throughout all of it is, has been fathering my two daughters. 
All right. Put a pin. Put a pin right there, cause we're gonna we're gonna play with that in a minute. And cause you said you passed with three churches, so we're gonna put a pin right there. Now I want to introduce my next homeboy. Oh, well, he's not my homeboy. He's from Atlanta. I get. No, you're from South Carolina, Reggie, right? No, nah, from uh, Applin, Applin, Georgia. Oh, Applin, Georgia. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So introduce yourself. I know he is the he's an athletic director in the AP Atlanta Public Schools. But mm -hmm. go ahead and introduce yourself, and I'll tell everybody how we met going farther as well. Uh, I'm like I said before. I'm from Applin, Georgia. Um, went to school at Clemson University, then transferred to South Carolina State University. Uh, played football uh, there, graduated from there. Then I came to Atlanta, uh, started teaching, uh, got into coaching. Um, also, during that time, I had my first uh, son, Xavion, while I was in college. Okay. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> kind of started early and learning how to be a, be a dad. And uh, once I got to Atlanta, ended up getting my leadership degree from Kennesaw State University. And I've been the athletic director for now, what, maybe 16 years, 17 years, maybe a little more. Lost count now, but um, definitely has been a uh, joy. I have two daughters as well and three boys. I also started over, got a, uh, have a two-year-old in February. Huh? Yeah, I have oh, a two-year-old in February. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I said, uh, just been a joy, man, just watching the kids grow. Uh, definitely made some mistakes along that, that path. But I uh, definitely enjoyed just being a father, man, and just growing up and uh, just seeing how far they didn't, they didn't came. All right, all right. Now Reggie is Reggie Reggie's and my son played baseball together, and Reggie's son actually went to Georgia Tech, and and has since been drafted by the Cleveland Indians, and he's rapidly rising through their organization. And uh, and I want to talk about some of those things, Reggie, tonight because I know you had to make some decisions throughout the course of his career. Uh, so we want to talk about some of those things because that's part of parenting as well. All right, what's up, Doctor? Kevin Flight, that, hey y'all, let me tell y'all something. When I say that's my dude, Kevin Flight is my dude. Man, you talking about somebody that's taken care of me. I mean, he's taught me about, because uh, he's a chiropractor, and he owns a chiropractic uh, care center here in Marietta, Georgia. And uh, we, and he came to the dealership, my dealership I used to work at several years ago, and we just became friends. And we've been friends pretty much ever since then, probably, what, eight years? He's, take, he's taken care of all three of my children when they had injuries and whatnot so that's my dude so we got dr kevin introduce yourself right quick and we're gonna get into your story too because i got a lot to get in tonight and we'll get as much as we can because i can't make part twos now on shows because i've already scheduled it like for the first two or three months so i'm sorry i can't do part two so, so let's so come on talk to me dr kev good evening everyone um I'm, I'm dr kevin flight um and as james so kindly introduced me in that at point um in the sense as, as a great friend but i consider good james as a, as a phenomenal brother to me um we, we we've been very open and transparent so anytime i have the opportunity to come upon this this platform i, I welcome it um i practice here in marietta georgia um been practicing now for 21 years um it's, it's been my passion so Really, I look at the way that my practice operates as more of a ministry than the idea of a, a job or a business. Um, so the other side of it, um, I moved here in 1996 from actually Durham, North Carolina. I'm, I'm originally from North Carolina um, and grew up between North Carolina and Virginia all my life. So good southern homeboy, if you will, but then with a little bit of 
small tidbit of a northern northern flair in there here and there. But as as you can see in the background, James always gives me a fit because I'm a good capper man too. So I had to represent this evening in the point of that with just a simple t-shirt for my good brothers that might be out there that I asked to be on here. Pressure makes diamonds. So I look forward to us talking about how we can raise our children in the proper way and even more so the idea of raising our sons um to be awesome men. Absolutely. Absolutely. And somebody in the in the in the uh comments, Nicholas <laughs> Sanders already said, What's up, Fi? And pressure makes diamond. Carlos Wallace, now he's saying yo noop. So look like y'all thick in the thick in the comments. Hey, listen, but y'all do me a favor, everybody. We're gonna jump into the conversation because everybody has introduced themselves. Y'all, we did that quick nine. I'm a, and let me tell y'all this. I appreciate each and every one of you guys because when I tuned in, y'all were already tuned in. That's crazy. I mean, y'all five minutes in, everybody was set up, ready to go. I mean, so orderly and everything. It's just ready to have an organic conversation. And, I, and I'm cool. And I'm y'all, this is going to be as organic. I got a couple of notes. Y'all, those that know me, it's kind of hard for me to go by notes. But I'm, I got a couple of notes tonight. But most of this conversation is going to be more organic. But everybody that's in the, in, the, in the chat, if you will, go ahead and share this thread. If you don't, uh, either share the thread or tag five baby mamas or baby daddies. That should be everybody. So just tag five people and let's get them in this conversation. Listen, my end goal in any conversation that I have is to produce something that's going to eventually create reconciliation between black males and black females. Because I think that's what, if we want to really cure the chasms that exist in our communities, I think the way to do that is by, first of all, stopping us from fighting one another because the infighting is what keeps us from going farther a lot of times so tonight let me do my little quick introduction tonight we've come to debunk some of the myths that exist regarding black men and their role in the home i remember when i was younger corey my dad told me that black males would one day become extinct he said rather through drugs through the graveyard through incarceration there would be a certain segment of men that would be taken out of society it didn't make sense to me, but my daddy said it, so it had to be true. Okay, so looking now through 2022 lenses and looking back at what my pops has said, a lot of what he said has come true uh, because when you look at how the world has been adversely affected, uh, I don't want to quote the statistics because we hear those all the time, so I don't want to really give a platform to those negative statistics because a lot of them really haven't been researched and when uh and so when so they hadn't really been researched, then we really believe most narratives that we've been taught. But traditionally, black men do take care of their children. That's just just you know, I understand there are bad situations, but on the whole, black men take care of the children. So when racist narratives like the absent black father myth go unchallenged in research, media, and pop culture, they ultimately serve as justification. Watch this for punitive policies that harm black families and ultimately all families because then we say what we say is because they don't take care of their children then we put uh, precursors and measurements in place to further destruct and destroy our families because we believe those narratives then we're going to be insensitive when things start to happen to our families so let's so things we know for sure number one death does not discriminate we see young people dying all the time Another thing we see, we see, we've seen us be the victims of police brutality. See that all the time. We understand that prisons have become privatized and that punishment is profitable because what happens is people of color 
are typically the target audience on somebody's uh some people's portfolios now so with that being said a certain segment has been segregated from society and a gulf or a gap has been created leaving homes without fathers husbands grandfathers uncles and women have assumed the role and have done their very best that they can do but there's still something missing because the majority of african-american homes are led by who women and black women are leaving marriages at a more rapid rate than those who are getting married and what is happening is the end result is a child being raised without two parents in the home but understand this and this is why i'm going to say this this is why this is going to be the, the uh the foundation of our conversation just because both parents aren't in the home doesn't mean that both parents can't be in their lives and that's the key we got to make sure that even if we're not in the home that we still continue to be uh, in the children's lives. So on tonight, I wanted to highlight these three gentlemen who understand the importance of being an intricate part of their children's lives um, despite, despite distance, despite gender, despite circumstances. We want to listen to the stories of a pastor who has daughters in a different state but has not allowed that to be a barrier. We want to hear the story of an athletic director who has his own children but has to be a subliminal parent to an entire organization and some of which who don't have father and, and some of which who don't have fathers and just wait until you hear Dr. Fleisch's story. So I'm excited and I that's my little soapbox to get this thing started. So let's go. Y'all ready? All right. So Corey, you already said, I mean, well, see, like I said, see, right more, see, we're going to call him Corey tonight, y'all. He's a pastor. He's well known all across the world, but we're going to call him Corey tonight. Okay. Corey, Tell me again, how many children do you have and what are their genders and ages? Yeah, I have uh, two daughters, biological daughters. One is Chloe, she is 22, and Kylie is, uh, I think she's 18 now, 18 and 19. Yeah. <laughs> she listening. If she's listening, she's going to check you in a few minutes. If you get yeah, a text yeah, yeah. reminder, you, you yeah, know. She, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Reggie, what's the same with you? What same question? I have uh, three boys and two girls. Uh, oldest is 23, 20, 17, 15, and then the youngest is two. So, mm -hmm. boy, you made me, you just took the air out of me when you said two again. I, I, had, to, I, had, I had to breathe, I had to take a deep breath on that one, Jack. But no, I'm not, that's a blessing, though. Children are a blessing. And I, and I, and, and so you, you and Kevin can really talk on that one because y'all can relate big time. Yeah. All right, Kevin, tell me what, what you got. And, and we're going to get into your story because I really want them, everybody to really hear your story. But go ahead, give me what, give me the uh, ages and uh, uh, genders of your children. Well, I have a 31 year old daughter. Okay. Um, actually, she just turned 31 on two days ago. Um, so started way young in life. Um, I have a 27-year-old son that I raised as mine, but we'll talk about that situation in that point, but he'll be 28 tomorrow. Okay. And then I have a three-year-old son, um, which is my, my start over. But then again, oof, one of the greatest gifts and, and blessings of my life. Man, I can say, um, when, when I watch you post your pictures, it's amazing just, just to see the joy in your face. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know, uh, I know, uh, I know, uh, who was it? Jacob had a special affinity for, you know, for his, for his youngest child, you know what I mean? But so I'm, I'm, it makes me wonder if you have a child of your old age, I mean, how, 
how that how you look at them a little bit different. I don't, I, 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 but I don't want to find out. I'm be honest with you. Like, not. My baby, my babies are 23, 19, 18, and, my, and uh, she just graduated high school early. She's supposed to graduate in May, but mm-hmm. she got on out of there in December. And I'm so I'm I'm super proud of her. So now Reggie, yeah, you, yep. you said you got three boys and two girls. Yep. Do you okay. find it different? Uh, parenting girls versus boys? Uh, most definitely. I mean, you know, of course, uh, the girls are going to kind of tug at your heart a little more than, a, than the boys because they're girls, so you kind of treat them a little differently. Boys, you try to raise them to be men and grow up to be men, but you know the girls always know how to, to get what they want out of their dad, so you know how that goes uh, with your daughters. I know you with your daughters because I done seen your daughters at the games and things <laughs> of that nature, so, so I know how that is when you got daughters, you know, uh, as a dad, you know, they, they tug at you because you know how the world is. So you want to kind of shield them kind a little bit. And then you want to also kind of prepare them for, you know, what they're going to run into as they get out in the real world. So really. So now what did you say the ages of your girls in again, or again? Uh, 17 and 15. Oh, 17. Oh yeah. You, you right there. You right there. Yeah. Now, Corey, you've raised two girls. What had, I mean, I mean, so I don't know. You don't probably don't have the, you don't have the, I mean, uh, experience, I guess, of, of having boys in the home, but what is it? And, and, and you've raised your children, you've raised your daughters from out of state and whatnot. But I, but and the thing, and let me say this to everybody that's listening, please. And, and like I said, please either like the post, share the post, or tag some fathers for me. Let's go ahead and get some people in this conversation. Hey, Shante, but Corey, um, I could, the reason I've asked all you gentlemen to be on the show is because I've watched you parent from afar. Corey, I've watched you show up uh, for graduations and recitals and, you know, and proms and all these types of things. And Corey, y'all, how many revivals do you think you do a year, Corey, before pan- pre-pandemic? Uh, tw- in about 12 to 15. Okay, so 15 revivals a year, not to mention conferences and all those types of things, not to mention uh, state, state, and, uh, state and national events and all mm-hmm. those types of things. And he pastors a church as a single as a single man so so he has a bride which is the church he has the the responsibility as a pastor of being the spiritual parents to those at the church but he has to balance all of that and still be a parent to Callie and what's the other baby and Chloe mm-hmm. and so so tell me how has that been being pastoring out of state and trying to be there and be a support system and all those things and watching them grow into young adulthood. But like you said, they're 23 and 18 now. How, how has that process been for you? Well, let me just be honest and just kind of break the ice um, with, with realness. My, unfortunately, my marriage ended in divorce. Okay. And uh, I never, I never married uh, in the church to end up in court getting divorced but unfortunately it happened and put my daughters in a very precarious position you know um uh, you know the two adults made decisions that the children had to deal with and put up with and survive and grow through and learn from and all of that and so that was the first strain on my children that uh, divorcing meant that we were going to live in separate homes. Okay. But then uh, 
the greater challenge would come later when the Lord called me to pastor a church in Illinois, in Kankakee, which is in the Chicago land suburbs. Um, well, the, the newsman called it the southernmost suburb of Chicago. Yes. And it broke my heart because it meant that I could not be physically with my children on a mm. daily basis. And I really wrestled with that and struggled with that. And, and it was clear to me that God was calling me to, to pastor in Illinois. And so uh, just wrestled with it. And me and God had some, some, some pretty tough conversations. But I asked him, though, if this is what he wanted me to do, that I, that I didn't want for the relationship between me and my girls to be fractured. I didn't want any distance to grow between us. You know, I wanted um, for us to know, um, to know. Uh-oh, he froze a little bit. Corey, you still there? Corey, yeah. Corey you, you froze on us a little bit. You back now though. Yes, sir. Okay, you yes, said sir. you said you wanted them to know and then that was the last thing we yeah. heard. I didn't want us to be disconnected at all. I didn't want there to be, you know, to be any kind of uh, division or divide that would grow between my girls and I. And I asked God, you know, to um, to protect our relationship. And and I asked uh, Him um, uh, to keep us close knit. That I was going to do my part, but certainly being out of state, I was going to. Um, run into considerable challenges trying to be present while the majority of the time I'm absent physically. Wow. Uh, but the Lord, um, he helps me, man. My daughters and I are, we're very close and uh, they call me all the time and um, they have, have they're to the place now where they talk to me about real life things and I can get that call at any part of the day. You know, but um, it's been a challenge, um, but it all it's also given me an opportunity uh, to show them how much I love them by wow. being there when they weren't expecting for me to be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, showing yeah. up unannounced at, at event, big events in their lives. And, uh, you know, I've just done the best that I could. And it's easy to do when you love them. That's okay. Wow. That's and cool. and um, and what motivates me most as a father is that I am I'm driven by my end. Okay. You know, the pandemic has taught us that that life is uncertain, death is for sure, and I want my kids to be uh, prepared, um, and I want them to be able to handle life when I'm gone. Well, you're gonna to have to unpack that driven by my end thing. Come on, say that again. Expand well, that's what I'm I, yeah, I, I told I've told my kids um, many times, and not to scare them, but just to sober them. And it really has made them listen to me a little more. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have told them, your dad is not gonna be on this earth forever. 
And that has that makes them listen to me. They listen a little more intent. They, you know, I can I can see when they're really into what I'm trying to. So I'm just trying to prepare them to deal with this world. Okay. You know, and uh, so my departure date is what is is it really pushes me to do all I can to give them a foundation in God and to prepare them for uh, life. You know, wow. See, the, the, the distance from my children physically um, has reinforced to me that there will be an eventual distance where they that where we can't come see each other. Jesus. Yeah. And that's good. Uh, but but giving them everything, knowing that I taught them, knowing that I've raised them, knowing that I have uh given them the foundation so that when I finally close my eyes, I know that they will be all right. And that's that's all. Uh, yeah, I don't want to take up all the time. No, no, doc, no, doc. We we on we on for two hours as long as y'all stay with me. So we're gonna let me tell you something. I don't have a plan. I have a plan that, but most of my plans are contingencies. You know what I'm saying? I just want the conversation to end up where the conversation ends up. Now, I want to I want to make a quick segue, right quick, because I listened to your story and you said, you know, Reggie said he had his first one in 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 college. Uh, you were married, had your two, and unfortunately it ended in divorce, but you initially were in the home and you watched those babies grow up. You just had to figure out how to make it work. Now, Dr. Kevin's story is different. Dr. Kevin's story is, and I'm, I want him to tell, first Kevin, and give me, give me a little grace, give me a little grace with Kevin right quick, because I want him to really unpack his story for, for the, for the view, so that the viewers can understand what he's saying. Kevin, first tell the story of your 28-year-old son. Tell you, you, you tell us in your words. Well, with my soon-to-be 28-year-old son with that process, um, that was a little tough. Um, I was in college at the time, and it was uh, amazing in the fact that the young lady that I had been interested in since high school which was kind of crazy chasing here and seeing her there, things of that nature. Um, I came home one summer in the point of that, and she told me she was pregnant. And I knew I had only been in that situation and being transparent, you know, one time prior to, and I was trying to put the timeline together, but needless to say, I stood in the gap um, in that point and stepped up when that point when she told me that, because um, just being honest, her first, thought process was abortion. And I was like, no, 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 that's not going to work. So just understanding that, you know, going through that process and then being in college and then here is the summer and going back into a new year of school and, you know, she's pregnant. So I went through that whole process and went through everything with her. And as that point came across, I mean, even driving in the snow, taking her to the doctor. And it's, it's nothing against her, but I, you know, being in college, we do things. I mean, it, it just is what it is. But when he was born, he was born actually on my father's birthday. So I consider him to be a godsend child. He was due January 17th and he was born January 12th. 
And I met this young lady via my father and just our families were kind of intertwined. It was crazy. Her mom was like our credit union lady and then her dad was our gas man. So here it is, Northeastern North Carolina and Southern Virginia. You know, it ain't much to do in those areas as as I progress. As far as part of my two oldest children, but to do one or two things, play sports, work in the field somewhere, um, find your job or either find your way up a dirt path or down a dirt path <laughs> and learning about life, you know, um, and trying to just find out about life. And my mother and father worked all the time. So, you know, they love me and but I watched their relationship. So it's just the point of understanding the, the foundation and the principles of, of relationships. But ongoing with that, Jakari was born um, January 12th, 1994. I was actually online pledging Kappa at the time. I left school and told everyone, including my professors, I was an honor, honor student and basically a, a university scholar um, at North Carolina Central University. Um, and she was at Virginia State. So I only have two hours. I mean, I hopped in the car and I drove in the wee hours and early hours of the morning to make sure I was there for him um, when he was born and, and stayed until I brought him home from the hospital. But needless to say, over time, man, I, you know, I was there and then and stood in the, in the, in the position as father and, and everything else. But as time progressed, the gentleman that unbeknown in that sense later on, I found out was, was his father. Wow. So I told at that time, his mother, you know, I was upset. I was hurt. Um, and at that time he was about to turn three, you know, but still in that part of it, I was still in that sense of being the man that I'm supposed to be going to school, wanting to be the best that I could be. I had lost my father when I was 17 years old. So I had to honor my son. And in that thought process, I had to just think, what would my father do? Mm. So instead of holding spite and instead of being angry, I told her, as even though we're part ways, we were engaged. So I'm thinking I'm going to make this woman my wife. And come to find out, you know, there I am at the university. And then I found out she has slipped off again, <laughs> you know. So, like I said, when you're young and you're dumb, you do dumb things. And life itself will throw things before you and you want to experience it. But to this day, I don't hold any spite against her because I told her, I said, as long as I'm alive and breathing, I'm his father. Wow. Wow. Now, let me uh now listen. So I want I want those to hear to cl clarify what he just said. He said she conceived, he picked her up at the hospital, was there for the birth, thought it was his child at the age of three years old. Wow, man. He found out that he was not the biological father. The easy thing would have been to do, because he only had three years invested, would have been to walk out of that child's life. But as a man, Dr. Kevin State, that, see, that, that's why I want to debunk this myth, myth that black men don't take care of their families. Don't believe those narratives. That's just part of his testimony. We're going to get back into that in a minute. Uh, and we're going to we'll go to your daughter in a minute. But let, let, let me let me ask some other questions. Reggie, 
uh, most of us are products of orientation. Mm -hmm. So we usually mirror what we saw growing up. Who, who was in your life and raised you and inspired you to become the father that you are now? Truth be told, <clears throat> I didn't really know my dad growing up. I mean, okay. I had my, my grandfather and my grandmother. So that's who I lived with. My mom, she remarried and got married to the guy that eventually, you know, as I got older, I started to look to more as me and my dad or whatnot. <clears throat> but I learned most of everything I I got from my grandparents, man. From okay. My, my grandma, my grandparents. So that's pretty much probably why I got the old soul or whatnot. But in terms of just taking care of, you know, in the country, I'm, you know, I'm from the country. So it's like everybody on that, in that neighborhood is family. So everybody take care of everybody. Okay. So, you know, that's I kind of learned from that. And then growing up without my dad, you know, no one coming to my games, no one there to support me or whatnot. I kind of knew if I ever did have a child, I would always do whatever I needed to do to make sure I'm there. So kind of just growing up and just watching my grandparents and just learning from them. So that kind of what drove me to be the father I am today. Gotcha. Hey, did, hey uh, Corey, Denise just asked a question and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's in relation <laughs> to what, what Kevin the decision he made and i i don't i don't i i, I have my answer and it's not because it's all this is just a personal thing you know what i'm saying so I, but she said and this i'm i'm gonna pose this to you Corey. so and y'all in the in the comments answer her question it's 26 people in the chat right now denise asked this question y'all answer it let me know what you all think but Corey, if a man chose not to continue on taking care of the child like kevin did does that strip him of being a good person or a good man that's a question okay no, I don't think so. Me neither. Um, I don't. I don't think that it makes him a bad person, no, or any less than a, than a, than a man. Uh, but he is to be commended if he stays. Exactly. Um, and um, and you know, I don't mean to. Well, you know, I'm a pastor, preacher. Um, but Joseph took care of a son that wasn't his, mm. and uh, and and raised him and gave him a trade, taught him how to build, make, and his name was Jesus. <laughs> and so, and so, um, Man, hoop triggers. If, if Joseph um, had walked away from, from Christ, Man. you know, then, you know, in his humanity, he would have had more struggles than than, than he needed to have, but because Joseph was there and, and present, you know, and had the capacity. See, it, it's hard to get a man to function above his character. Okay. You know, okay. If, good. if a man's character is here, you can't expect him to function here. And so Joseph had the capacity to father and take care of a boy that was not his. Wow. Just like just like Dr. Kevin Flight did. Yes, sir. You know, three years in, and we know, and to be if we're gonna be just honest, we know this has happened many times. Yes, sir. Many times. Yes, where, sir. You know, women, you know, say it's yours. And they and they put the guilt trip on you. And um, you got your inhibitions, especially if there was some extracurricular activities, you know, happening beyond 
the immediate parameter. And um, and those men that get in, they 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 sign, and then later on the DNA says, yep. you are not the father. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and then and so then we're struggling, then we're struggling. Do I um the child needs me? Mm. You know, the mother is wrong, but the child needs me. And do I do I want this? lifelong commitment now to a child that's not this, this child needs he needs his father but the father is not here and, I, and i'm i'm here and i have become emotionally attached i have become you know mentally attached you know when i get up and think and do i'm thinking about life but the provider the protector in me the priest in me you know um you know it's, it's thinking about how can I better position my children to be more successful than I. That's good. You know, so it's a it's a difficult uh, position to be in, but I'll go back to say that you know you cannot ask a man to function above his character. That's real good. That's real. You can you can you, you well you can't expect him to. He can only function. You know, at wherever his character is, and so thank God for men like Kevin Fleiss. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's good. That's good. Um, you cannot expect a man to function above his character. Somebody, please write that in the comments. And Denise, that's a real good question. And um, I, I would have said uh, you 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 can just you can get an A, but that might just be extra credit. <laughs> you know, and 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 I think that's that's what Kevin got in that instance was he got extra credit. So Kevin, you. Okay, so Reggie, you said you your grandparents played an intricate part mm -hmm. in how you uh, shaped your worldview as it relates to parenting. And Corey, mm -hmm. I believe I heard you amen and on that one. Your parents, Absolutely. your grandparents raised you as well. Yeah, my um, that's my story, man. My my father, Thank you, whom Corey. I know now, and uh, we're good. I mean, it is what it is, but. Uh, you know, I, I only remember him being around a couple of times when I was a child. He made me promise a couple of promises he didn't keep. Okay. But I was, and I knew he was my dad, but I wasn't really affected because I had a father in my okay. in my yeah. grandfather. Yeah. Just like Reginald, you know, my, my daddy is yeah. in heaven now, Clifton Lee Robertson. He had nine children of his own, took me in, uh, and I became the 10th. And um, and he raised me until I was nearly ten years old, and so I had all kinds of foundation, you yeah. know, from him. And um, so I didn't grow up bitter. I didn't even know I didn't miss anything. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, gotcha. in hindsight, you know, as I've grown older, I, you know, I've seen I've seen you know where my father could have done better, but I, I hold no bitterness, no animosity. That's to good. him whatsoever mm -hmm. i just want to, to be the best father that i can yeah uh, and listen hey anybody that might be listening to this stream now whether it's on spotify on apple app on apple uh podcast whatever it is listen to what he said he holds no bitterness towards his father we got to stop letting people put wedges in these relationships mm -hmm. that really didn't affect you, you most of you got what you needed at some point i mean i don't I, you know 
we raised uh, my ex and I, we raised Kennedy, right? And Kennedy didn't eat a whole lot. She just didn't eat much. She just didn't want much, you know. But the doctor said, quit making her eat what she don't want to eat. She'll get what she needs. And isn't it interesting in life how sometimes when you don't seem to be getting what you think you're getting, you're actually getting exactly what you need. And because you end up making it where you need to make it too. It always works out that way. I don't know why it always does, but it does. Kevin, so you said your dad was in your life until he passed when you were 17, right? So you yes. had your mom and your dad up until that time? Yes, I had my mother and my father in the house. It, okay. Okay. It wasn't always a pretty moment. Um, okay. You know, but the thing is, is that that was the thing that I, I tell folks why now I have made it a mission and a plan and a daily request um, to fight against any aspect of generational curses. Okay. Um, but on the main part about it, yes, my father was there in the house with me. And I have I have two older brothers that have nothing to do with me. They were from his prior marriage. Um, so I'm the only child between my mother and my father. Okay. Um, so in a lot of ways in life, I was exposed to a whole lot of things. Um, but my dad did the best that he could. He was a working man. He died on the job. Okay. You know, but he always employed the principle within me. I mean, if I made a B, that was a piss poor grade to him. Okay. But when I found his report cards, he had C's and D's and, you know, B's here and there. And his A's were, was in PE, you know, because oh, he, wow. he, he was an athlete, you know, in that sense, a, a big time football player. But I mean, overall, when I look at that, you know, the same thing I employed into my son, the same thing I'm, you know, after, you know, meeting my daughter later in life. And then to now, even with my three year old, I have, you know, along with other children that I've been a father to that hang out to be biological. I'm pretty sure Reginald can attest to this when you're dealing with children as in, in sports and athletics and just. I mean, James, I've even had talks with your son and your daughters, you know, at that point. So, I mean, you know, in that same process of being transparent, your goal is to employ the principle, don't be like me, be better than me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, with, with, with Corey here and the point about that, you know, after losing my father, then the thing is, is that I had to get out of my head that my dad died at 52. I'm at 48. So I'm looking at What's going to happen when I'm 52? Okay. You know, so now with a wow. three-year-old, I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus. what is it? Even now to the point that, um, you know, I sat down with my financial guy the other day. He's like, dude, what are you trying to do? Send this kid to Harvard and Yale? Or what? I mean, what are you doing? You don't go right. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I said, you know, the thing is, and you know, James, you and I have had that conversation, you know, dealing with that point. So you, you get your insurance policies together you get your your will or your your trust and you get all that other stuff together because the thing is is that when you're a father that that has the mindset of establishing a legacy talk sir that's a job yes sir talk sir talk sir talk 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 and when you take that job seriously mm. It's not a daily task. Mm. I hear you, man. I hear you. It's a daily calling on your life. Jesus. 
I hear you. Mm. Here, y'all, y'all need to listen. I'm did you hear what he just said? He's 48 years old. He has a 31-year-old, a soon-to-be 28-year-old, and now a three-year-old. Now, the 28-year-old is not his, but it's his. Right. <laughs> okay. It's not, it's he. Let me say it like that. It's his, but it's not his. I think that sounds a lot bit better. A lot better right there. Okay. He's already he's committed. I'm gonna I'm wiping tears from my eyes too. Okay. Uh 31 year old, we didn't got into her story yet. We're gonna get this first hour. I'm trying to set a foundation. So we're gonna uh, then uh we're gonna go farther from there. But he said this three-year-old, he it's an everyday job to put that boy in a position where his future is secure. And listen to what he said. It's an everyday job. And if you watch Dr. Kevin works, Dr. Kevin, when he does adjustments, he literally lifts people up on his back. I'm talking about heavy people. He puts them up on his back and to do a part of an adjustment that, that is actually affecting his own physical strength. Okay. So he takes this job seriously, what he does. He takes this alternative medicine, this natural healing, this whole thing. Listen, if y'all don't know it, and I can, me and him, we're going we're gonna to do a show on this just on chiropractic before, before this quarter is out. I hadn't told him yet, but we're going to do it, though. Because I want you to understand how if the spine is healthy, the whole body is healthy. And everything, just the whole system is just together. And he can explain that type of stuff. But when he does these types of things, he does it not just for himself, but he does it for that baby. And if you watch him with his baby, so that's 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 the next thing I want to segue into, Reggie. Watching how your grandparents and your more specifically your grandfather dealt with you, how has that shaped your parental skills and how you interact with your sons and or your daughters? How has that shaped your worldview? <laughs> Well, basically, man, just always instilling that that work ethic. Uh, you know, don't, you know, mind your business, uh, work hard, and just let things be, you know, how they're going to be. So just always just um, just growing up, you know, everybody always wanted to, the, you know, tell you to do this this way, do this this way. I mean, and, you know, you guys on here with kids know each child is different. Mm-hmm. And so I know with me having Zay when I was younger, and me being being in athletics, you know, all only things they pretty much, you know, Xavier and I called him Zay saw was was athletic. So I mean, at that point, I knew, you know, eventually, you know, he was going to be athletic because that's what he saw. <clears throat> but you know, as I got older <clears throat> and just growing up, man, like I said, I didn't have much. We didn't have anything. So I learned early, you know, it wasn't always the the monetary things that everybody had because we grew up with nothing. In, uh, in the country. So I never was threw off by seeing people with this or with that, because one thing my grandparents did, we always had food. We always had clothes on our back and, you know, they never complained, you know, so, you know, I learned that too, you know, as, as I got older, you know, I may not agree with a lot of things or I may be upset, but I never complained publicly. Just put it that way, publicly, where people can see it, you know, I always That's try amazing. to keep that's yeah, amazing. Try, always try to keep the same face, try to keep even kill. So with my kids, I always try to say, look, you know, things going to happen. There's no need to sit back and, and cry about it or sit down and fuss about it because at the end of the day, it's still going to be there. You know, you're going to have your time where you're going to sit back and think about it. But after this over, move on. See how you can fix it. You know, let's work past it 
and just keep it moving. So that's one thing my grandparents taught me, man, never give up, just keep going because <clears throat> it could be worse. I mean, a lot of times you look at a lot of situations and you're like, man, it could be a lot worse. Uh, one thing I, with me working with kids and been working with kids since I was, what, about 15, 16 years old, and I always knew that was going to be my calling to work with kids. So working in high schools and seeing kids grow up, and like Kevin said before, these kids grow up with so much, so much going on in their household, and they bring it to the school school setting. You know, as a teacher, you know, you never know what's going on outside of the school. But if you 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 build a relationship with the kids, they come in, they tell you things, you'd be like, wow, you know, I understand why you came in here angry. You know, you waking up, you don't have any food, you go home, you don't have any food. Uh, you know, a lot of kids come to school just to eat. Wow. <laughs> so and, uh, you know, that's the reality of it. But, you know, they don't want to show that because now nowadays, you know, with the social media and everything, they want to portray a certain certain image. But it's not actually you're not living that that image. So that's one thing that I learned from my grandparents, man. Just be true to yourself. Uh, work hard. Let things fall where they may and just keep pushing. No matter what happens, just keep pushing forward. Let's Corey, before we go to your question, let, let's make a quick left turn right quick. Let's. Let's cut across the field, as y'all old preachers call it. Let's let let let's uh let let's cut across <laughs> the field. Um, as black parents, knowing our history, our DNA, as in our DNA culturally, we come from what you call a being culture, or we come from a communal type culture. When you go back, as the farther you go east, Corey, and I'm sure you can attest to this. The farther you go east, the more communal the culture is, right? So black people, typically we had more of a communal culture because we did. That's why we had the family reunions we have. That's why, you know, it was a, back in the day, big mama then would get involved in the family. And, you know, and I mean, you know, you know, we had Sunday dinners and all those types of things. So with that communal thing, I think the black father has a different tag on him than a lot of other cultures do. And I'm saying that to say this, for instance, Reggie, with you being uh number one a father number two an athletic director you have to assume the role for a lot of children that aren't even your own you know if you go in the hood like my dad i'm giving that my dad my daddy wasn't just my daddy kevin my daddy was everybody's daddy that knew him that didn't have a father if that made sense you understand what i'm saying and it yeah. seems as though naturally good black fathers seem to just assume or take on that role right mm -hmm. when i have kids around me reggie you, you don't call me james i'm mr kirkland i don't care if you're 24 mm -hmm. 25 years old now i'm still mm -hmm. mr kirkland to you me and your my son's friends will never be my friends mm -hmm. i don't really understand what i mean i might follow you on instagram or something like that because you're a professional athlete or something like that but we ain't cool like that right so we assume these and this way it should be Reggie, and we're going to move on, for, but I want you to answer a little bit more for me, Reggie. Do you find yourself fathering a lot of the fatherless? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, like I said, when I got involved with education, man, uh, that's when I was heavy into coaching, um, you know, until uh, Zay got of age and then I had to spend more time with him. But, man, just bringing kids home every weekend, uh, kids want to come stay over every weekend, man, just, you know, just getting them a different outlook on you know, how things should be, you know, like I said, you know, when they, they come in the house, oh, you, you got food. Oh yeah. Go in there and get what you want. Go in the refrigerator. Yeah. Get what you want. Have a good time. Sit down. Oh, you, we got a bed to sleep in. You know, 
we take a lot of that stuff for granted. Mm-hmm. But like I said, a lot of times you you never know what goes on uh, with some of our youth youth today. So, and uh, definitely, man, just growing up, man, every day. Like I said, I still get calls to this day from uh, from from former players, former student coach. Thank you, man. Just appreciate you helping me and telling me telling me this, telling me that. Because uh, one thing you guys can attest, like uh, Kevin said before, young and dumb, you're gonna make mistakes. Oh, yeah. There's nowhere around it. No doubt. Uh, you know, working with high school kids, they they swear they didn't did things that we didn't do. The only difference is now everybody can see what you guys do. Absolutely. <clears throat> so a lot of times, like I said, you know, I know you're going to do it. I know you, even with my raising my son with Zay, I said a lot of things that I'm trying to shield you from, I know you're going to do. I mean, because you, you know, you think you're grown. You think you, <laughs> you know more than I know. Um, you know, like I said, so, but as they got older and working with the kids in high school, man, definitely every day is you a father every day, every day you walk into this building, you are impacting a student some kind of way. That's good. So that's, that's, that's every day. That's good. And, 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 and Kevin, I watch you, I'm gonna tell you when you impressed me and we were always cool. Don't get me wrong. Now you, 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 you impressed me the day that, that Trey had snapped his little hamstring and there was a scout coming the next day. Reggie, he had him. Look, he snapped his hands straight. He had he had Trey running the next day. He put some kind of rocks out on him, put some tape on him, had that joker running the next day. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. But what impressed me the most was Corey. My daughter Kennedy had a torn labrum. Wasn't it, Doc? Yes. It was a torn labrum, and they wanted to do surgery. Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, don't do surgery." He said, "That baby's strong enough." He said, "And with therapy." If we work together, we can make this thing work. So when I brought Kennedy to him, he said he had her do some exercise and he handed her $20. He said, hold this. And then she was able, and I watched him take on the role. He wasn't her father, but you could tell he was a father the way he interacted with him. You remember that man? Yes, I do. Because it was, what was it? Some kind of muscle that she couldn't, that wouldn't react. But right. you, get, you told her to hold on. What you you tell it because you're a doctor. I'm not, I don't know that part of the story. Yeah, I had to I had to get her to understand that she had to eliminate the idea of pain, and then to to eliminate the idea of defeat because of the injury mm-hmm. in her mind. But to understand that as long as she had that going on and had that moment of doubt in her mind, she her body couldn't heal. Wow, she could defeat that wow. because innately within with god isn't already instilled and innately put it in us the, the ability to heal mm. but we have to speak it we have to see it we have to consider and think about it and bring it forth and manifest it surgeons are surgeons when there's surgery that needs to be done and yes let's get it on let's let's do what we have to do mm. but when there are things that then she was already strong and as strong will as she is <laughs> but as internal as she is very internal. I had to tell her, you got to bring that out. You got to take that power that you have that's already within you and bring it forth and allow your body to do what it's supposed to do so you can heal. Being quiet about it or being tucked away about it and just saying that it hurts is not a way that's going to bring forth a healing. Wow. You have to declare it's already done. We're going to play. We're going to make it happen. And I, I felt firm in that because, James, you and I both, and as, as well as Corey, as well as Reginald knows, and the point, as long as we speak it, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So that's it. we got to bring it forth. And, and that's what we do with each other's children. That's what we do with other folks' children, especially, you know, Reginald, I mean, and then to Corey. And, you know, as far as the idea of just the congregation or the schoolhouse. 
And then two, and, and James, you know how it is, whether the dealership or whether it's the street or whether it's my office. The thing is, there's always a sanctuary present for us to come together and talk about what it is that needs to be done. And these children need to hear it. Absolutely. Declarations, man. Those, those, those <laughs> I'm telling you something. And sisters, I'm not discounting your, your, you at all because we all play <laughs> an intricate part. But it's certain things that certain affirmations and certain things that men can speak into children that just make a difference. It's just, it just, you know, and I'm going to tell you, I don't let everybody talk to my daughter. I don't. But when he started talking to her, I sat down and I moved because I knew it, she wasn't hearing her father. She wasn't hearing her father, but she was hearing a father. I never will forget, man. I was, uh, I was running track my senior year of high school, man. I, uh, I was rapidly, I was racing for last place in this first, in this 60, uh, this, this, uh, yeah, yeah, this 400, 400 yard dash. I was racing for last place, man. I'm talking about, I, I started out, I was number one for about 300 yards, Reggie, but 300 meters, man. But, but that last 100 meters, that monkey jumped on my back, man. And I was racing for last place. I mean, it was me and one dude were racing for seventh and eighth. And all of a sudden, I heard my daddy say, go, 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 go. And I got a burst of energy, man, because I heard my daddy's voice. I heard my daddy's voice, and that gave me a little bit more fortitude to keep moving. And what I'm hearing from you, Corey, is that when Callie and Chloe, because they discovered that your presence was a presence, <laughs> when you showed up, when they didn't expect you to show up, what it did was it instilled even more faith in y'all's relationship, right? And so even their times that mama is great stepdad is great all that kind of stuff but there are times when they still need to hear your voice talk about that for a moment if you will yeah i um the yeah that's that nothing um nothing can take the place of of the father mm. um you know um, that the child needs to be fathered, and um, and I want to give a shout out to my to my daughter's stepfather. His name is Keith Kelly. Mm -hmm. I plan to throw him a party one day uh, for being a an awesome stepfather to my wow. to my daughter. Wow! And uh, because that wasn't my story, man, uh, and I'm. You know, I my grandparents raised me. My grandfather fathered me. Uh, but then my mom, she was already dating this man who would eventually be my stepfather. And long story short, that didn't go well at all. Okay. And so it was seven years of hell. Um, my mom uh, finally divorced this guy after 30 years of marriage but I divorced him after seven years. <laughs> and, uh, and so I saw some very ugly things uh, in those seven years. And so I know, I know how bad a stepfather situation can be. And, but Keith Kelly, uh, who, who married um, my ex-wife has been an awesome, um, stepfather to my to my daughters and uh i hope for the chance opportunity to literally throw him a party with a 
That's all right. I mean, barbecue and everything. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. He was an awesome uh, uh, stepfather. But again, no matter how awesome he he is to them, he was to them when, you know, in their younger years, you know, he's still not their father. I'm, I'm their father. Okay. And, um, and it's not a competition thing. It just is what it is. And, um, you know, and it's a blessing for it to be, to feel like a competition, you know, uh, because stepfathers can, can be unconcerned, can be, can be aloof, can, that's that dude, that's that dude's kids. And, you know, right. and, you know, and they, that's that man's kid. I ain't got nothing to, you know, they got a dad and all that kind of stuff. They can be disconnected and, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, so nothing takes the, the, the place of them. And while I'm saying this, let me say this before I get in trouble, James. Um, I'm going to try to say this as brief as I can. But a few years ago, I met a guy on Facebook. Uh, his name is Gray Manuka. And uh, he's from Malawi, Africa. And um, Gray had reached out to me and we started, you know, technology was advancing and eventually we had conversations um, via our messenger, to, you know, free conversations. Get a load of that from America to Africa. We talking. And he wanted me to come to preach. He sent me pictures of of 150 pastors under pavilion that he wanted me to come to preach to. He had been following me on Facebook and other places and stuff. And and I was having passport issues and could not go um, to um, <clears throat> him when he initially invited. And then for a time we lost contact and then I wouldn't see him at all on Facebook or Instagram. And so I started reaching out and um he was um there was one there was one night we were talking he would have to go stand outside try to find a decent spot so that we could hear each other so and different times on and all that so he'd be standing out in the dark trying to find a spot in the yard uh to, to you know and he eventually found one spot to be in that, that he could talk to me clearly so we had a lot of challenges with that and there was one night where his son was talking their native language, which is Chichewa. Okay. And, uh, you know, and he would stop talking to me because he could speak English pretty fluently. Uh, and he would talk to his son and finally he said, you know, and with that, with his dialect, Pastor Morris, my son is giving me the flux. Um, he wants to talk to you so bad. Mm -hmm. And, so do you mind talking to him? I said, let's talk, you know, he gave him the phone and I'm talking English, he's talking Chichewa. And from that day on, he started calling me his dad in America. Wow. And um, yeah, so whenever Gray and I talked, he would eventually get on the phone. He started learning a few English words, stuff like that. And so when Greg, I didn't hear from Greg, I began to be concerned. So I, so, um, I called, um, you know, the numbers that I had to no avail. Mm. And uh, this, this lady named Rhoda, 
had reached out to me on Facebook from Africa after he did. And so I, I, I talked to him and said, do you know this lady, Rhoda? And he said, yeah, I do. So when I didn't hear from him, I remembered to contact her. Long story short, when I reached out to her, she told me that Gray had died two years ago. Wow. Wow. And I asked about his wife and his wife had died two months after he died. Jesus. He, he, he was preaching in, on a mountain in, in Malawi called Mulanje and was driving back down from the mountain. The car flipped and he was the only one in the car that died. Jeez. And so then his wife died two months later of malaria. So that meant that this boy that had been calling me daddy didn't have a mother or father. And so Rhoda put me in touch with Florence. That's that's the girl's name, Florence. Um, her mother was living in South Africa. So I, I was able to get in touch with, with her and talk to, to Florence. And from there, we, we all, they hadn't talked to, the brother and the sister hadn't talked to one another in about a little over two years. They didn't know where each other were and so the Lord used all of that to, to bring them uh, back together. So long story short, I have adopted two other kids. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and I am, uh, the Lord has given me the wherewithal to pay for their, their education. We just relocated the mother and her daughter back to Malawi. Okay. And, and they are together now. Now the, the, the daughter and the son uh, are going to the same school. Okay. Boarding school, educational there isn't free. Um, so, you know, we, 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 the, the liberties and the luxuries that we have, we often take for granted, but there's no free public schools over there. You either have the money or you don't. And so, so I have two other kids. I got, uh, I got a picture on my phone from years ago when I first met Gray. He took a picture of him and said, this is James Morris. That's nice. And, That's nice. Yeah. That's so, nice. But yeah. and, and that, that whole, but you know what? That whole father thing, man. It's not. It's not like a suit you can take off, though. You know what I'm saying? If you're a father, you're just a father, man. And sometimes sure. those fatherly instincts just click in. You know what I'm saying? It's like being a man. Yeah. When you're really a man, certain things just automatically click in. Let's segue right quick. We're gonna make another quick left turn because yeah. you raise daughters, and and like I said, I've seen. Uh, Corey, I've seen the affinity that you have for Callie and Chloe. And likewise with you, uh, Reggie, I've seen the affinity that you have for your daughters, the 17-year-old, uh, that other, that little one, that little, uh, the little one that's the little cheerleader. I, that she, yes. yes, Lord. She had you around, wrapped around her finger since she was a little girl at the baseball field. But I want Kevin, and y'all hear me, if y'all got some tissue, you might want to go get it right quick because I want you to hear Kevin's story because Kevin mentioned to us a few minutes ago that he had a 31-year-old daughter. And do me a favor. Everybody that's in the chat right now, like this post, share it, love it, whatever you want to do. But I also want you to share it. I want to, We got 21 people that are listening in the numbers. I want to see if we can double that right quick because I really want everybody to hear this next story by Kevin. We might not get into any of my agenda tonight. And we don't, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm cool because I'm loving the, I'm loving the transparency that I'm hearing right now. Now, Kate, uh, Kevin, you told us about your 28, soon to be 28 year old. What's his name? Shikari. 
Jakari, you've told us about Caleb a little bit. You know, he, he's always moved, almost moved us all to tears a moment ago. But tell us about the 31-year-old, Corey and Reggie. He has not known his 31-year-old all 31 years. Okay. Tell him when, 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 yeah. how old was she when you met her, when you found out you had a daughter? When I found out, um, her name is Benita. Um, when I find out, found out about her, she was 20. Um, and when I met her, she was just a month and a half shy of turning 21. Wow. Um, she reached out to my mother, which my mother, I guess just in awe for a while was just like, hmm, I don't know. Just trying to figure out the whole situation. But my mom one day when she was here came to me and brought me in a, a letter that Benita had written her because Benita um, actually was born on January 9th of 1990, um, one, 1991, uh, which was actually nine months before my father passed away. And crazy enough that within walking distance was my daughter um, of my household and of my family. Wow. And like we were talking about earlier, when you're young and you're dumb, you do the things that you do. But needless to say, her mother was a little older. So yeah, I am a young man chasing behind and trying to learn about life, you know, in that same sense. So anyway, I remember as a, as a kid at 17, when Benita was born, but the whole idea of the situation was that there was another gentleman that ended up seeing her mom. And I, as a young man, when an older man around, you learn to retreat and back up. But in that process, the deed had been done, but I didn't know nor think any aspect about her being mine. So it was such a hurtful thing when I, I, my mother brought me that letter and I looked and I read that letter about this girl asking my mama a question. She found out that the man that she thought was her daddy wasn't her daddy. And her mama never said anything otherwise. And then on the other side of it, when I looked at the picture of this young girl's face, all I could do was see mine. Jesus. Mm. I didn't need a DNA test, but I took one just for the sake thereof. Once I, I found out because I reached out to her. It took me a minute just to get it in my mind. And then deep down inside, there was, I didn't know whether to be a, a part of shame. I didn't know what to feel. Because here it is that all these years, I, I'm sitting there thinking there's a missing part of my life, but I didn't know. I couldn't put my finger on any part of it. But here it is. I get a letter that my mother brings to me. And I look in this picture and I see my face. And basically, it is just nothing but the female version of me. And I'm sitting there looking at her and I began to weep. But I reached out to her and I had a conversation with her. And to find out the things that she had been through in her life, she had been molested. Jesus. She had been um, to the point of just her mother became an alcoholic. She had, you know, in that process. And I just tell folks, I'm, and I'm being transparent, but 
she had even gotten to some point that at 12, 13 years old, she even tried to, in the country, people know what gas to do, but, you know, a lot of kids don't know what kerosene to do. So kerosene heaters are there available. Her mother had, this, this, my daughter was, was so hurt, but still so smart at the same time. I want to put kerosene around her mother's bed and her mother smoked cigarettes. So she went to try to start a fire. Wow. So she ended up in foster care. Because here it is, her mother was and became an alcoholic. God rest her soul, because she's passed now, and mm. went through that. But the the thing is, is that God works in in crazy ways. But she, my daughter, ended up in foster care for all those years. And like I said, just in that point, the man that she thought was a dad wasn't a dad. So she went to asking her mama questions, and here it is, me that pops up finally. And I met her when she was 20 years old. She was in North Carolina. She had never been on an airplane. I mean, Greensboro ain't too far from here. But I put her on an airplane for the first time in her life and flew her here. And I remember to this day, just knowing what her face looked like from the picture and seeing her come up the escalator. And I just stood there. But I didn't walk up to an approacher because I really didn't know because I had to pray really hard on how should I approach my daughter? Mm. A man that's a father that she's never known and she's never known what a real father was like because this other man would, would pop in and out. He was married to another woman. So pop in and pop out, maybe take a hunting one day, maybe take a fishing another day, but still never a day-to-day approach a point of that. And, and, and gentlemen, you you know in this point, I mean, and even the women that's on this on 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 the chat now, the point, the first true love affair a woman ever has, and it's not no yeah. freaky dicky stuff, but the first when true I'm love affair a woman has is with her father. Supposed to be. Yep. So here it is, twenty years to the negative, not to the positive for my daughter. So I'm having to think about what do I say, what do I do. And then on the back end of it, you know, naturally as a dad or a father, you want to try to be the best that you can be. So I'm here it is. I'm flying her here. Here it is on the other side of it. So as she's walking the baggage claim, I'm walking a little bit of far from her, but just so I can keep my eyes on her. And when she went to go to the baggage claim and I realized she didn't know which way to go or how to do it, I walked up on her and I stood up and I called her name. And when she turned around, I looked her in her face. And again, all I could do was see myself. So at her being 20, getting ready to turn 21, and here it is, us first meeting for the very first time, I could just hug her and I could just tell her that I love her. We had talked on the phone, but there's nothing like that face-to-face and eye-to-eye. And... The next part about it over these years, it has not been easy because she's grown. Yeah. You can't raise a grown person. Yeah. And I stepped in there and I got even in points of arguments. And I, I mean, in times I, I would tell her, you know, the thing is, if I could go back and change the hands of time, I would. Uh-huh. I want to let you get hurt. I want to let you go through these times. I would have been always there to protect you to provide for you. But then too, no matter what the struggle, because I did it for Jakari, I could have done it for her. But 
that's 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 the tough part about it. And then two, to see her go through things in life, because naturally, I mean, those of us here with with older kids, they know more than we do. If if, if you hear them tell it, oh, you. And you sitting there, you try to shield them from things in the world, but they still know more than you do. So I've watched my daughter go through times in life and still watching her go through hardships and times in life. And, and, and it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all. Because the thing is, is that we can see greatness written on our children. But if you haven't had the, the time or the, been able to put the energy into it, you start, and I'm just speaking honestly, I went through many years thinking, how did I fail? Wow. I was going to ask that question. How did I fail? You know, and the thing is, then you, it's, it's, it's like you overcompensate to try to make up the difference, but there is no point where you can make up the difference. Uh. It's a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of conversation, but then too, it's a whole lot of late nights that I had waking up, sitting up and on the side of my bed praying and then too when she's out in the streets and she's out with in a bad relationship or it, it was times of just being transparent in that point trying to figure out her sexuality wow or things of that nature and even in the point where you know it's crazy enough and i'll just be even more open and transparent when my wife was pregnant with our son caleb Within a year thereafter, my son Jakari was pregnant now with my grandbaby. And my daughter was pregnant at the same time that he was pregnant. So all of us at the same time, (laughs) pretty much so within a year's time. And I crack the jokes about it all the time about at least I beat y'all to the punch. (laughs) But the other side of it is that Jakari had my grandbaby, had my granddaughter, but my daughter lost her daughter. Okay. And in that same time of losing her daughter, and she was, you know, further along in her prayer and in her pregnancy, earlier that year, she lost her mother, her biological mother. Jeez. And I fought for years for her. I said, don't ever call your mother by her first name. That's not my mama. No, that's your mama. That's your mother. The same way I'm your father. There's been difference in times in that point, but I drilled it into that point. It may have been hardships. There may have been storms and trials and tribulations, but still she's the one that brought you into the world. And now she's on her down and out time. So it is your job as the daughter to be at her bedside. It is your job to be there to take care of her to the point where, and, and crazy enough, my, my daughter was a, a certified nursing assistant. I said, if you can take care of others, you can take care of her. Absolutely. So I tell my my kids and, I, you know, the older kids, even the ones that I raised, you know, as far as being a mentor or whatever else, I said, I don't want y'all to ever feel like you owe me anything. I just want on that day and time when I reach a moment when I can't do much for myself that you bring me a glass of water. Wow. That's uh that 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 yeah that's that's deep I promise you it's, but he had me I wasn't expecting I I can't I can't get out of my chair to go get no tissue to wipe these tears from my eyes or you need to stop doing me like that Kevin for real seriously seriously but uh but I get it I get it. and what that and what that really shows um is that with Corey's situation um with Kevin supplementing I thank God my wife and I stayed together for the most <laughs> 
of our children's lives, uh, you know, as far as, you know, while they were in school and all those types of things. Uh, we didn't have that that much of a gap to fill. But it shows, Reggie, the importance of, pa of both parents being <laughs> in the children's lives. There was a study done by Rodney and Moupier that showed that children that have a relationship with their father, number one, they excel better in academics. Typically, when children have a good relationship with their father, uh, a good relationship, they excel better in academics. And number two, they have a smaller chance of high-risk behaviors such as drug abuse, drug use, and or being jailed. That's usually the case, and studies have shown that that's what takes place. So what that shows is that black men are very necessary in the house. Now, y'all started a conversation in the uh, chat a minute ago. Uh, Shantae asked a question about what... Um, what if the mother and Corey, that was your that was your situation to an extent because your your ex-wife did remarry. But Shantae said that what happened, what happens sometimes is that the woman will try to sabotage a relationship with the biological father and push that child on the stepdad. Have y'all seen that to get uh Corey? Have you seen that to be true? I have seen it. Okay. I have seen it. And how how did the children respond to that, or did it did, did it create a rift for the father trying to have that relationship with the child? Yeah, you know, over my years of pastoring, I've seen a whole lot of stuff. Okay, and I'm thinking about several situations that that uh, come to mind now. But um, you know, I think that. Um, you know, when, when you're dealing with difficulties of life, it's important that you just come down to some simplistic basics. And and then before you start, you know, dealing with all the, the, the particulars, deal with the general thing. And and um, and generally speaking, um, you know, when divorce happens, two people are hurt. Two adults are hurt. One may handle the hurt better than the other. And hurt people are the only ones that want to hurt other people. Immediately. Mm -hmm. and, and so if the male or the female, whichever party is hurting, that is the party that's going to try to inflict injury onto the other one. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, it's the children who are the pawns it's the children who are caught up in the middle of that conflict and so the, the children become the playing ground or the playing or the battlefield <laughs> well, these adult wars and it's and it's it's just unfortunate and so when i have had to counsel through those things i have had to you know and a lot of them you know when it came when it came down to counseling they were so hurt that they really weren't hearing okay you know they really just wanted a mediator or a referee <laughs> to push that point you know and um and I, I had success with 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 getting through to several of them um to try to to get them to the place where they could see beyond the herd and so that they could be what they needed to be for those children and that's the key word for the children, let, let, let me let me let me play this right quick. 
All right, let me see if I can get it to come up real fast. Hold on one second. I want to play we this. continue to rethink what is right and wrong when it comes to parenting. Say like who challenges us every day. You know, we allow him to climb on couches and draw on his clothes and his shoes, let him run around the store. Well, I do anyway. <laughs> um, and I get the death stares from other mamas who look at me and who think that children should be quiet and well-behaved in public. I also get those questions that are really judgments, but I don't pay them any mind. Because at the end of the day, our job is to guide Sekou on this journey of life, not to control him. We're here to help him figure out his place in the world, to uncover his greatest gifts, to discover why he was born. That, that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Our purpose is not to control these kids, but it's to guide them, mm -hmm. to help them to discover who they are, right? If my children tell me where they want to go, I promise you, I will set the GPS and help them get there because that's my job. Let me tell you something. I wrote Trey's litany out the other day. My son is 23. At the age of 23, he has an associate's degree. He has a bachelor's degree. He has a master's degree. He trades Forex and does very well financially with that. And he also just got his real estate license at 23. Man, you tell me what, and, and guess what, Reggie? You know as well as I know. What's that? That was plan B, wasn't it? Yeah. We thought Trey would be playing professional baseball right now. Mm -hmm. That was plan B. So if that's plan B, I take it. <laughs> I'll take it, 23 years old with a master's degree. You know why? Because it's my job as a parent, as a father, to set the GPS and to help. I didn't want to raise a robot. Right. Trey would call me, and first thing Corey Trey would say to me sometimes when he had really been, when he had something really on his mind, Trey would say, Dad, you know what? I was thinking. And when he said I was thinking, I stopped listening. I'd be on my phone doing something else. And as soon as I heard him be quiet, I said, all right, then I'll holler at you and hang up the phone. He'll call me back. Dad, what, what do you think? Don't matter what I'm thinking. You thought. Let's see what happens with your thought. And I trusted him enough to make those decisions. Now, the girls, I might give them a little more coaching. You know what I'm saying? I might lead them a little bit in a little bit different way because I prepared them a little different. They're wired a little bit different. Not that one is better than the other because that baby of mine, like I just told you, she graduated in December, they had a job since she was 14 and 15 mm -hmm. years old, decided she doesn't want to go to college right now. She wants to go to esthetician school. She's going to be just fine. I'm not worried about her because I didn't raise them to be robots. I raised them to think. But my ex has not tried to keep me out of their lives. I could come and go as much as I please. I've spent nights over there when she's out of town. We co-parent. <laughs> That's one thing that we make sure that we want to do. And for these last 30 minutes, that's what I want to talk about. I want to really talk about co-parenting. Now, co-parenting for black men can be attached to social barriers and misunderstandings about the role that they serve in parenting if they are no longer in the home. Sometimes, and sisters, this is, me, this is, this is what men say. This is what men feel. Sometimes men feel that the struggles with the other parent can be too difficult to deal with 
and those negative interactions can lead to high levels of stress and issues such as chronic stress disorder, anxiety disorder, or instances of depression. Because sometimes we use, we're upset that we're no longer romantically involved, so we use the child as a pawn. I'm, that's not my testimony, thank God. I, I was in my child's life and I was able to be there. But what I want to say is this right here. As we look at uh, this whole issue of co-parenting, because we want to co-parent, we don't want chaos. Can we agree with that? We want we want to make sure we co-parent, but we want to co-parent without having the chaos. So there are about five things that we should do if we want to avoid the chaos. The first thing that we should do, and gentlemen, I want y'all to uh, weigh in on these, and, and not in any specific order, but feel free to uh, interject uh, when, when I put these out there, okay? The first one is, is when, you, uh, when you're co-parenting, view your relationship with the other parent as a partnership. And the partnership is to, we're partnering to do what? In raising this child. Now, I want you to notice something about that word partnership. The word partnership comes from the root word, what? Partner, right? But what other word is in that word partner? The word parent. parent. You see it? There's partner. But when you look in that word, you see the word parent. But the interesting thing about a, the word parent is, is the word parent can be a noun and a verb. It's not only who we are, but it's also what we do. Do y'all agree with that? Absolutely. As we partner with whoever our significant other was at that time, whoever we laid down with, practiced the process of procreation, created a child, that now, even though we're not together anymore, that now is our partner. Uh, Reggie, what do you think about that? As far as Ray, uh, your, the, the mother of your children, how have you been? How have you managed to maintain a partnership with it, with with her or them, however that works? Uh, when I had my first child, uh, I met uh, Tanika. Uh, she's a uh, Xavier, Destiny, and uh, Jalen's mom. So we met in college. Okay. Uh, so when Zay was born, he was our first child. He was born when I was a, a junior, a junior in college, playing football. Uh, and you know, she was a cheerleader, so you know, had our child or whatnot. Uh, of course, we, you know, we tried to work it out, you know, but being in college, you know, things moving 100 miles per hour, you know, for guys being in college, uh, I mean, young, you got women everywhere. So, you know, you, you you're doing things. Uh, but, you know, so being a parent, we had to learn how to be a parent. And then I think one of the biggest mistakes we probably had made, we was trying to be a parent, but we really didn't know how to to be a parent. Like I said, we had learned and, and watched some things. But when you first have a child, you know, no one tells you about when you the late nights, you don't get all that free time. You know, you got to when something got to be done, you got to it's got to be done. So, you know, being in college and trying to be in a relationship at that point in time, you know, we did the best we could. But as we got older and when I left and graduated, we moved to Atlanta. Same thing. You know, we were still working. Uh, we was doing things for the child. So it was more so we wasn't working on our relationship. We was more working on making sure we had a strong foundation for, you know, for the kids or whatnot. 
So I think um, as we got a little older and then we realized that we can be good parents and don't have to be together. So that was one of the things we had to come to grips with at okay. first. You know, we can still be great parents, even though we're not together. So we was called to always, always called to now. We can talk about anything and, you know, like best of friends and whatnot. So, so that was one thing we had to learn. Uh, you know, we had to separate, you know, the jealousy part. Cause you know, most men, even with women, you know, you're going to get jealous when you see them with somebody else or vice versa, or they see you with somebody else. So once we kind of got past that part and we understood that this is for the children, uh, and as long as the children are getting and they see that we love them and whatnot, that's how we started to grow as parents and, and start to learn how to co-parent. Of course, you're going to have bumps in the road because we're going to disagree. We're not going to agree on everything. You know, what you may think is okay, I may not think is okay. But we did, we was able to come to a common point and understand, like, you know, these are our kids, you know, let's do what's best. So I think that was one of the biggest hurdles, you know, when I was younger, just learning how to co-parent. And, uh, you know, just moving past some of the barriers that the jealousy part, because, you know, people can say what they want. That's that's going to creep in there mm -hmm. uh, at some point in time. It's going to creep in there, uh, whether you your job is better than theirs or they see you living a certain way. And, you know, so that's going to creep in there. So but once we got past that part, we was able to, uh, you know, co-parent it. We did that meant I was on the road a lot traveling back and forth because she's from South Carolina. I'm from Georgia, so on the road every weekend, going back and forth. I mean, you know, every weekend. Like, you know, James, we had games. I went to the game on a Sunday. We finished at 10 o'clock, and I'm driving back to South Carolina to take my daughter back or whatnot. So, uh -huh. you know, just learn how to co-parent. It just meant a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, one thing about being a parent, you know you're going to make sacrifices. And if you want to be a part of your kid's life, that's going to come with the territory. So we, we learn how to make those sacrifices. And it worked well. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough when I came to Atlanta and, you know, Angel, I met Angel and then Angel kind of stepped in, you know, and took, you know, the kids in as her own. <clears throat> so that was a big plus too. just having somebody to come in. They took, you know, she took the kids on Tanika and Angel was, you know, wasn't friends, but they understood how to, it's about the kids. Yeah. So that was, a, that, that played a huge part in that as well. So. So you raise you raise you raise your children from from the beginning. You've you've had you've always had custody of them. Zay has always Zay has been with me since he was born. Okay. Uh, so when right. Zay was born in college, you know, of course I was still in school. So the first place he went was close to my grandparents. Okay. Well, you know, I was in college, so I said, you know, mom, you know, I got to send Zay down there for, you know, at least let me get out of school, let me graduate. You know, she was still in school and well, so we sent her to Augusta. You know, that's where he was raised in the country as well. So. Okay. So that's, that. you know, we, and then once I graduated and came to Atlanta and he's been with me ever since. So, man, I've, I've always respected you, but I just got a whole nother level of respect for you after that. Well, that's, that, 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 mm -hmm. that, that's cool. Hey, there are a couple of, couple of comments. Corey, I'm gonna give you the next one. Cause uh, I think, I think uh, Reggie pretty much uh, tackled that one real good. Chris said, we have to raise our kids by giving them the tools to succeed in life. Now, Chris is a master chief sergeant retired master chief in the navy so he's done his uh, career he's done his career thing with the military decorated all that stuff but he's retired now so he 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 was raised by his parents but he also had the discipline of the military so uh but this this is his uh, take he said we have to raise our kids by giving them the tools to succeed in life it's not our jobs to dictate to them what school to go to what degree to get or what job to apply for we have to allow them to be themselves so when they fail, 
they fail, but can really learn from those failures in order to succeed. When they succeed, it's supposed to be because of them, not us. That's good. We as parents should not only guide them along the way, but it needs to be their choice, uh, which in turn will produce confidence in them. I like that. That's that's really good. Corey Myers, I, I agree with you, my friend. Corey said, there are some fathers in the home that have not fostered a relationship with their children. They are there perhaps as a role model provider. They set examples, but don't engage. Relationships are important. Partnerships uh, are important. I agree with that too, Corey. There are some some fathers that really don't know how to be fathers, and some of them weren't fathered. And uh, and honestly, there are a lot of emotional traumas that we as men need uh, to heal from. To be honest, to even become better uh, parents. I'm be honest. I, I told my ex-wife last week. A lot of stuff our children got, they got by default. It wasn't like they, that we were just the best parents. You know what I'm saying? We just created, we had good soil. And if you got good soil, you got, you know, some flowers are annual and some flowers are perennial. Uh, uh, annual, uh, perennials are going to come anyway, whether you plan or not. It's just going to happen. And certain things happen within the lives of my children. I know that we you know we can take credit for it, but it was just because we just gave them a good environment. And mm -hmm. so I'll take credit for that aspect of it, but that's about it so that's good man so people in the chat make sure we uh, we uh we are making sure we're trying to have relationships whereas uh we view our relationships with our with other parent as a partnership now core i want you to take this one when we have these type of relationships and we're co-parenting only we need to make sure that we establish boundaries uh, we need to make sure we establish boundaries. Corey, what does that mean to you, sir? Establishing boundaries? Yes, sir. Uh, are we talking about um, are you talking about, about, we're talking about like roles in the parent and in, in, in the child's life? You know, uh, like for instance, certain rules. We don't want the child coming to you asking for something that the that the mother might not agree with. You know, because sometimes children We'll play the parents against each other and all those types of things. So as a partnership, we make sure we set certain peripheries and certain boundaries, and they have to operate within the parameters of those boundaries. Does that make sense? Yeah, that what you're describing can work better if the husband or wife or if the parent and parent are in communication with each other. Okay. If there, if there is not... Um, sufficient communication between the two, whether they are co-parenting or or parenting within the house together, um, the kids will find that division. They will, and they will play one against the other. But you yeah, know, absolutely. and what to write all of that out is simply that the parents talk to one another. Oh no, no, you know, they actually are involved. I think here's a good place for me to to say um something in um the um just just for a little context okay um <laughs> the world is full of all kind of philosophies of how to parent mm -hmm. and 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 what's important though is what those philosophies are based on okay and and as a as a pastor as a preacher as a 
as a Christian myself, uh, uh, then I, I am held to tell us and those who are watching that um, be careful which philosophies you adapt or adopt when trying to raise your children. Okay. Um, and in the Bible, studying the Bible, there's something called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention is when you take a particular theme or whatever it is, a concept, and you go all the way back to where it was first mentioned and you use that for context uh, and you understand it within that, within its first mention, and it sets up a an understanding for um, how uh, a thing ought to be done or or how a thing should be carried out, so on and so forth. And it's that it's and it's and it's and believe it or not, it's the same thing way with raising children. Um, raising children is not a secular thing, it's a sacred thing. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. See, children were supposed to be now, now, of course, I got to, to planet Earth outside of wedlock but it was supposed to be inside of the marriage this is what i'm saying male and female i could say a whole lot about that male and female is how god intended for the parent for the household to look male and female the male impregnates the female the female carries and births the child the male and the female raise the child Okay, so marriage of man and woman is biblical, mm -hmm. and then raising a child is biblical. Earlier, James, you were after after you um, showed us the clip where the woman said, um, "It's not up to the parent to control the child," uh, and and where you picked it up, it was dealing with one situation but basically in two different stages uh -huh. when a when a child is young when a child is one or two or three or four when they're young they need to be controlled yeah yeah definitely definitely let definitely. your behind down <laughs> you ain't gonna run all over this store and rearrange the rules you know but now when you get to be a senior in high school when you are coming into your own, it is the parent's responsibility to protect that child the best they can from failure, which means I'm gonna I'm gonna have to kind of control you. And and if you don't want to be controlled, now this is this is younger in the years, mm -hmm. you do what the Bible says. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Them. This is now there's some philosophies that ain't gonna get with that. Absolutely. And so, so, so here is, so the lady was talking about, you know, she lets her child run around and she, you know, lets the, and, and she don't care about, she's not intimidated by the looks and all of that because she's not going to control it. Well, let me tell you what Ernestine Robinson did to me. Piglet <laughs> <laughs> Wiggly, I, I had to be three, four, I don't know how, I don't know, I was, I was quite young, but grandmother, you know, gave me that speech that all, you know, parents, you know. Don't embarrass you know, me. 
You don't, you don't get a hint cut up. <laughs> don't ask, you know, don't, don't touch nothing. Did all of that. And I don't think she gave to me that day because it wasn't necessary. I, I, I knew, but when we walked in, she went down the produce aisle and in the middle of the produce aisle, well, this Brock candy rack, you know, it ain't no candy like Brock candies. No. And so I'm looking up at it. I'm asking grandma for some candy. And she got the big Brock sack, but she, but she didn't drop, but like three pieces of candy in this big sack. <laughs> and I'm thinking that ain't nothing, you know? And so I didn't know any better. My grandmother went on off and I stayed there stuffing my pockets. I stuffed oh, wow. every top pockets, front pockets, back pockets. I, I was loaded with candy and I, I had so much candy that I was, uh, you know, that I was leaving a trail trying to walk. Every time I would bend over, it would fall out of my pocket. I'd stand up and put it back in my pocket and it'd fall out my, you know, I was leaving a trail. And so my grandmother, uh, as fate would have it, she was walking towards me as I'm walking towards her. She already through shopping and we getting ready to leave out of Piggly Wiggly. And we met right up there at the front. And I had stolen all this candy. Oh, wow. And so my I didn't know I was stealing, but my grandmother picked me up by my right hand. And she spanked me with her other hand. Yep. So she, I'm, I'm literally spinning around and she telling me, don't you ever do this again, you know. See, the old school philosophy was you get tore up wherever you cut up. Get it where you gave it. Yes, sir. If you if you cut up in church, you're going to get tore up in church. Yes, sir. I cut up in Piggly Wiggly. I got tore up in Piggly Wiggly. She controlled my behavior. You follow yes, what I'm sir. saying? She didn't just let me. She didn't just let me just run crazy. Okay, and 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 this kind of discipline is what is missing yes, sir. in our in our modern day households because you got these other philosophies that are coming in to say, you know, just let Joey do what he wants to do, let him say what he wants, just yell, let him yell, and they don't have any discipline. They're not learning any, as you say, boundaries at home. And then they go over there with Reginald and he's trying to teach them discipline at the school that the parents have not have not reinforced at the house and the teachers are can't you know they can't teach for having to referee because they got a lot of undisciplined children in there whose parents just let them do whatever they want to do yeah when it is biblical that's biblical to, die, to teach to train up a child i mean if, if that child is being trained that's there are there are some things that that child cannot do. Yeah. If the training is training, that's right. So that's gonna be some control. You're gonna you're gonna have your behind in the house by this time. You're gonna be in before the street lights come on. You <laughs> you yeah. ain't gonna be on. My grandmother wouldn't let me talk on the phone. Be past five minutes. She said, "All right, get off that phone because you about to, you know, you 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 about to get you about to start lying. You ain't got that much to talk about. Get off, get off of that phone. You sh whatever you said is what you said, and it's over. So that that, and and here I am, fifty one years old, and I look back on all of the training. I look back on the whippings. I look back on the whippings with 
belts with switches, with fly swaps. <laughs> whatever was, whatever was there. <laughs> yeah, yes, fat hands. Oh, fine. I mean, all of that ear, ear twisted, all that pension, all that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for it. Yes, sir. They gave me a foundation. They gave me a foundation, man. And and my grandparents' latter years, they probably got tired of me thanking them for having the audacity and the grit and the inner inner stamina to 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 discipline us. Right. You know, I didn't. Grow, I man, listen. I didn't, I didn't grow up. I was raised. <laughs> Man, this this conversation is so rich. Oh, this is rich. Robinson raised me. Yes, sir. And my older aunts and uncles who are man, they they all lent themselves to raising me. I didn't grow up, I was raised. And so those who are listening, be careful what philosophies you buy into. You might want to search them out because they may not be founded on scripture. And, uh, and and there will be principles that you hear from other philosophies that do, if you study them, they will have a biblical base. Those are okay to follow, and they and you will have success with them, not because the secularists said it, but because the scripture has said it. Absolutely. So if Absolutely. you want if you want to be successful in raising your kids, in in your relationship with 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 your husband or wife always go back to the bible that's good that's good and i'm not just saying because i'm a preacher past i'm I'm saying it because this is what it is and you can say it because it's a pre you're a preacher pastor too it's hard to keep you have me too yeah of course i'm saying it but i i i I hear you but what i'm saying is there are those who who try to throw off what i'm saying because i'm a pastor yeah you know, they, they turn down the volume on the pulpit and just they, you know, and, and they say, well, he's saying that because he got to. No, I'm not saying because I have to. No. You know, this I'm is saying, this is not something that I've read. This is something that I've experienced and I know to be true. Yeah. And and I want everybody to, to know that this conversation is super, super, super organic. Like I said, I, I put contingency plans in place in case we don't have anything to talk about, but I, I, we're, we're good on this one tonight. Listen, listen guys, uh, uh, Amir said something when he talked, uh, talking about the establishing boundaries piece. He says when he sees the topic established boundaries in the context of co-parenting, what comes to mind is the roles of the significant others of the relate of the parents at hand. Let's say a male child is being raised. Boundaries have to be established as to whether a scenario is best dealt with by the stepdad or by the biological dad. Maybe the biological dad wants to be the only one to take his son to be, get a haircut. If that's their thing, that's a natural boundary. A potential step parent won't cross. So that's 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 good too. That's good too. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's go, uh, y'all. If if I need an extra fifteen minutes, y'all give it to me. If you gotta if you gotta go, I understand. But if y'all if y'all can give it to me, I want to get through these last little quick little things right quick. Uh, Doctor Fly. Yes, sir. Uh, I know you're not necessarily well. You are co-parenting because you have a child, but y'all just doing it in the same home. So, this is the one I want you to deal with: recognizing your role of fatherhood. Recognizing your role of fatherhood. Tell me how you establish that with your children, as far as recognizing your and 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 with their parents as well. Recognizing it's certain things that just the father is supposed to do. 
How, how do you handle that? Well, I got a quote, a, a thought right here for you. It says here, a father thinks about his children day and night, even when they are not with him. And he will love them forever in a way they can never understand. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing when we look at fatherhood, you know, and, and, and Corey, I, brother, I, I, I can relate to everything that you talked about. And even with my three-year-old now, because I am not going to be lost in the ways of the modern way. I'm going to be the one who enforces the way that the word says to train up that child in the way that you have them to go and they'll never depart from it to train them up in that way. Even my three-year-old, I, 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 I get tight and I get right with it when he gets out of order. And I know this is a learning process and, you know, even my, my soon to be in a few I had matter of fact, it's crazy enough. Before long, 28-year-old, in that point, still to this day, he'll come to me, Pops. I got it. I understand. And all I have to do, all it takes is a look. Because he understands that the thing is, I have to be firm. Yeah, yeah. The push I get is from my daughter. But the thing is, I tell her, as long as the days come and go that I have breath to breathe and a word to escape from my lips, with the number one thing being that I love you just as our father, meaning God will love you. Then the thing is, is that obedience, structure, discipline has to be a primary in every aspect of it. I have to even sometimes tell my wife, you know, in that, in that sense, I'm like, look, I don't expect you to be me because you can't be a father. And even if we weren't in the same house together and we had to co-parent you know, some of these situations that, that I've come across and I have I have friends and I have patients and I have people that come across me talking about this new thing called parallel parenting. What the heck is parallel parenting? Meaning you teach that child to go and do one thing and I teach that child to go and do another thing. So we're not in a congruent. We're not in a, in a point where we are on an understanding. The thing is, is that when we put the chalk to the board, it's just like, you know, coach, here, if, if he puts a play up for the team to run the the receiver can't run the opposite direction of what the quarterback is telling him to run absolutely because we can't score like that no sir so as a father we have to be that see the thing is is that we have to be on one plane and one accord and when we're not in alignment that's just like james we, we you know how i talk to you about that spine when it's not an alignment this the the brain can't bring that thing down to tell the body what to do. So the thing is, as I tell folks, our mind is something that gets caught up so often and creates the dysfunction because the ways of the world is so troubled right now. But within this thing that we have on top of our shoulders, the soul and the spirit is there. That gap in between is the mind. Mm. And there's a trap door that's there. And so many things in the world, especially now, because I had, I had to explain something, you know, the other day. And 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 coach, this is this is one of the things that's there too. You you have a two year old, I have a three year old. Our boy, our children right now are in this alpha generation. We are in a restart, a reset. This is good. you know here it is, and then you know, and then two we have every one of us here have one that's come through the millennial or the generation whatever Z or all this other kind of stuff. We're seeing so much transition and change that the thing is parents aren't parents anymore. They're trying to be friends. Mm-hmm. 
And James, you and I always talk about that. I'm not my child's friend. No, sir. And I tell my son all the day, like when he walks up to me, it's hard for me to tell him no because I love him that much. But when there's a no that has to be in place, it is a firm no. Yes. And then when my wife turns around and might say, well, he can, no, uh, 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 no, 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 no. So, and if she disciplines him, then my structure as a father has to be in that point because we, even on bad days and even on the days that, you know, the brothers y'all that have been divorced or whatever else, I, I fight the powers that be because I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, when we can't agree, where we must agree is with our child. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. We must agree. There is no point of disagreement there. There has to be a firm and solid foundation on the point of understanding that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was talking to my wife earlier and she was like, why are you putting that pressure makes diamond shirt on? What, what's, what's that mean? I said, let's just talk about this, baby. When you look at your ring, okay, that thing that signifies our connection that 360 degree that's 180 and 180 if we do 360 degree turn we right back in the same doggone place we started from so if it's a bad place we right back into the bad i said but that precious gem that's there how does a diamond start as a nasty ugly black piece of coal but under pressure over time over time under pressure it creates a precious gem but even when you find it it's not pretty I said, so we have to look at our son in that sense of he's a beautiful gem to us. He's beautiful to us, but he still has to be in a certain way in this world. He has to be cut. He has to be shaped. He has to be polished. But it's not until we create the correct and strong and powerful and positive setting for him to be in that he could be adored. So that's what we got to think about when we when we're fathers. The thing is, is that when we look at it, it's God first, then family. But we have to be the heads of our family. And even if we're not together, per se, husband and wife in that point, still we cannot lose sight of our fatherly role that the father has ordained for us. Because all the days of our life, our hands have to be committed to the earth to work. We got to work. I mean, and that's the way that it's going to have to be. So we have to train our children in that way. And I agree with you, Corey, in that same part about it. If it was the Piggly Wiggly or the Giant or the IGA or whatever it was, (laughs) man, you got laid out. Now, the way that the world has come about in that point, and it it doesn't mean, you know, folks now don't understand discipline in such a way because the thing is, they do a lot of it out of anger or impulse. That's true. Versus looking at the way that the word has ordained for the being. Absolutely. So the thing Absolutely. is, is that then you got the the other enforcements that are out there that are there saying you can't touch that child. Absolutely. You can't do that. But then they go into the schoolhouse with coach here, and then he's wrong if he disciplines them. Because the thing is, all he wants is the best for them. Absolutely. That's wrong. That's because wrong. what vision is this? Your best and brightest days are still ahead of you. So if we get stuck in the now. How can we have foresight as to what is supposed to be on that point? And all of it comes from learning from lessons. We as fathers, like like Coach, you said, as and, and even for myself, when you were young, you didn't know how to be a parent. And depending on how your parents were, determined on how you had a concept of parenting. 
And if grandma and my granddaddy were there most of the time raising them, then the thing is, we from the country. We done seen some things. We didn't see somebody come through the front door and somebody slip out the back door. <laughs> wow. no, man, let me tell you. Hey, y'all, this, this has been a rich conversation, man. I'm, I mean, and, uh, and I, I'm not cutting you off, Kevin. We, uh, we, yeah. we, still, we still, we still chatting. Uh, that, 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 that's good. He said we, we have to understand the role of being a father. I, you know, I remember when Trey was young. And uh, he had done something, my, and my ex jacked him up against the wall. And it just didn't look right. I ain't going to lie, it didn't look right. So I told her, I said, let me get him when it's like that. She said, why? I said, because he's going to need a hiding place, because I'm going to keep my foot so far up his butt for these first 17 years. He's going to need somebody to run to. And if he knows he can't come to either one of us, that's a problem. Right. And they have the best relationship now. When we got separated, Reggie, man, and it, it was devastating to me. But she set us down. We all sat down, and she said, "I want y'all to understand something." Because I, you know, the baby was thinking it was her fault. You no, know, because kids, you know, they assume that role. You know, especially when they're older. And uh, she said, "No, we're still Team Kirkland. We're still, even though we're not living in the same house, yeah. we're still Team Kirkland." Now she did put in the uh paperwork you know that she wanted to make the vital decisions <coughs> but i was with her i lived with her for 20 years i trust her to make good decisions regarding my kids so i'm not worried about that you know what i'm saying she even told me that she wasn't gonna have any other men around my children until until uh until the baby graduated you know what i'm saying so but here's the next one Reggie, because you got for you got to help me with this one because uh and, I, and i'm sure i'll be all right as soon as that time comes but as we co-parent, and we're almost done, there's still 25 people in the chat, you are. Mm -hmm. um, but as we co-parent, and you, you, you made mention of this a minute ago, Reggie, we have to realize that the romantic relationship is over. Mm -hmm. Speak to that for me, Reggie, if you don't mind. Well, I mean, just to piggyback on what you said, too, about, um, you, know, you know, once me and Angel left, uh, uh, you know, separated, one together no more. Uh, with Chance, my youngest daughter, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know I moved on uh, with uh, the the lady that I'm with now, um, and then you know we had a child. But you know my youngest daughter, she was thinking it was more so you know her fault. You know it was her doing. You know why me and her mom didn't work out or whatnot. <laughs> so you know as time went on and she understood. Like I said, at the end of the day, we still your parents. We still you know here for the kids, and even with the uh, young lady that I'm with now, Shanika. She came in and did the same thing, you know, even though they're not bi biologically her kids. But like I said, at the end of the day, all of those are my kids. So mm -hmm. if you're with me, they're, you're with them as well. <clears throat> but uh, I must commend her as well because she does a great job with them as well. So, But the romantic part, like I said, I can be um, – one thing I learned about the romantic part, uh, being around my kids' mom, like I said, you know, of course you're still going to look good. You're going to – whatnot but you know the desire for us to be romantically involved is not there i mean because it's not about that it's about it's about the kids uh so and then that also plays a part too with the relationship that you in because a lot of times too i'm not gonna say you know some 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 females may feel like you can't be in the same area as your ex because they mentally they thinking yes you, you still romantically involved or you see each other like that but it's not the case i mean it hadn't been the case for years uh, so that's one thing that, you know, once they realize it's more so for the kids, uh, it's not about me and her together or whatnot. I mean, 
like with Tanika, she went on and got married. Uh, me and the guy, you know, we not best of friends, but we good friends. Like I said, I can understand. I can say, you know, thank you for being there for the kids, even though I'm not there physically and you are. At the end of the day, my kids know who their dad is. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing to me. Like I said, as they got older, no matter what, you know, you can always come to your dad. Uh, so that's one thing that I had to establish and then I learned. But it took some time to learn that as well. Um, I mean, growing up, because like I said, growing up without a father, you, you're thinking, I got to do whatever I need to do to make sure I'm in the in my kid's life. So you may make sacrifices to be with someone that you're not meant to be with. But realistically, in, in the long term, that's going to end up coming to forefront later on in life. You know, no, despite the good times early on. If you're not meant to be, it's gonna it's gonna show its face eventually. Yeah. So that was something that I learned as well. So I'm just like I said, I'm just <laughs> blessed, man, to be able to uh, be in my kids' life. I've been in there, uh, kid, my kids' life since they was born. Uh, never had any issues with the mothers. Uh, never had child support. Never had any of that. You know, a lot of guys like, how you go? I was like, man, I, those are my kids. So if it's something that needs to be done, Absolutely. I don't need no court to tell me what I need to what Absolutely. I need to do. Absolutely. I mean, so right. that was some, you know, one of the things I have to tell you, know, you don't have to tell me they need shoes. You don't have to tell me they need to go to the doctor. That's something that I that's that's my responsibility. Are, are you are you a black man? Exactly. <laughs> I thought all black men were didn't take care of their kids and all that kind of stuff. But that's that's the narrative that they give you. Yeah, and we don't have to believe those narratives. But, you know, they don't show that. They don't show the positive, positive no. dads out there. If no. they do show the positive dads, they're going to try to beat that 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 dad down and make it seem like something's wrong. Just like LeVar Ball. They always try to put him down. But the guy has raised successful kids. But Successful. You know, but you hear the negative, but you don't ever hear, you know, what he did, him and his wife, how, how he was there. You may not agree with some of his antics, but at the end of the day, he's a great dad. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. This, hey, this has been a rich conversation. It's still twenty four people in the chat. Corey, did you did you have a problem with that after your divorce? The whole romantic realize that the romantic relationship was over, and possibly having to conceive, uh, uh, conceptualize her being with somebody else was that was that a, did that affect your relationship with your children? No, we didn't have that problem at all. Okay. Um, but uh, after having passed now since 2002, I have seen situations where the divorcees do continue with sex. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it can create issues and, and all of that. Um, and some of those relationships continue even after they had married other people. Okay. And, um, you know, it gets cloudy with all of that, you know, but when I, when I counsel married couples, um, I say to them, if you all still can have sex, your marriage can work. Yeah. Right. If you are still able to have sex beyond the disagreements, beyond the, the so-called irreconcilable differences, if you still are attracted and you still, you still can be intimate and have sex and your marriage can work. <laughs> you know, but but when you are when you are done, you all the way done. Wow. There's no need for no ro- romance. There's no need for no, you know. And then you and then there are some who 
who um, may try to initiate just to see if they still got it. If they're playing these games, you know, can I make you forget that you married, you know, and, and all the, you know, games, games. But um, yeah, but, um, and, and I will say as well that um, uh, men, if we're going to be honest, we really don't like to deal with other additional men when it comes to, you know, who is our woman? You know, we don't want, you know, um, you know, I can imagine that, uh, that, that Keith really didn't want to have to deal with me. Yeah. You know, but he had to by default that he married, you know, Latrice and, and, you know, and, and my kids live with them. Yeah. You know, but the very first time that I met him, I told him, you're not going to have any problems out of me at all. That's a man. You man. know, right. Latrice and I, we are, that's over, you know, you know, we are, we are cool and cordial. We are adults. My concern are, are those are those two girls right over there. That's good. And That's um, good. and you know, and he's been a he's been a great stepfather, man. And uh, I never will forget this too. And I you know I I think about this and I you know I've had mixed emotions about what I'm about to tell you uh, because it's partly funny, but it's but it is also uh, very serious because of the situation that we put put our daughter in. Uh-huh. So whenever I came to town, sometimes I would come out of t- from out of town to take my daughters to lunch at school, uh-huh. and um, and I go back to the airport and get on a plane. I was just trying to be there, you know. I just wanted my kids. So I'd done this this one particular day with my youngest daughter, Kylie. She was going to King Elementary and uh, came to get her to go to lunch. And uh, we came back and when they were back, the the bell had just rung and the kids were lined up outside the classroom, you know, on the wall, very orderly, getting ready to be led in by the teacher. So I'm I'm coming down the hallway with Kylie in my arms. And she was so glad that I was there. And so she started answering the inquisitive looks on people's face. She said, this is my daddy. This is my daddy. And this little boy in her class said, I thought you said that other man was your daddy. (laughs) (laughs) And and she, she just shrunk. She just shrunk into my chest. Wow. Yeah. Because she was, you know, kids need a father that's there, man. Yes, sir. And I understood that she needed a father present. Mm. You know, and the divorce and now this call to go pastor out of state took me out of the situation. And so she started calling you know, Keith, her daddy. And I just hugged her. I said, I said, Kylie, I know who your daddy is. And then she kissed me on the cheek. 
She said, I know who your daddy is. She said, and I said, and, and it's okay for you to have two daddies. Oh, wow. It's okay. Oh, wow. And, um, and she, you, you, could, you know, and the tension in her body just began to relax when she, wow. she was afraid that I was going to be hurt. You know, wow. my kids have known since, since day one how much I have loved them. And they didn't want to, when the love is mutual, they don't want to, they don't want to hurt you. You know what I'm saying? And she, and then she knew that what was said could be hurtful to me. Jesus. And, but I was more concerned about her feeling bad about what she had said, you know, and, um, you know, and so all of these are situations, man, that we have to, you know, to parent through and, you know, keep, a uh, an adult perspective, you know, as we navigate, you know, through and negotiate through these different real life situations that that uh, that come up. Yeah. So <sighs> this is heavy. Hey, we're gonna do one more, and then we out of here. I know we've been on a little bit longer than I thought, but I, I wanted to get it done tonight because I, I because I saw we already got people in the comments asking for part two. Uh, Kamola Kennard, uh, I want to make sure I say her name. She said, that's good. Charlene Holden said, beautiful, heart to heart. Corey Meyer said, thank you for all of your transparency, for modeling and sharing uh, the characteristics of fatherhood. Uh, all of y'all, y'all have really added some value to this conversation tonight. And I'm be honest with you, I've been standing on the tiptoes of anticipation all day waiting for this conversation tonight. And I am, it's taking me on an emotional roller coaster because y'all had me crying i've had my uh been listening i've been learning and it's 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 really been good and we need to do more of these we need to do more of these on more issues regarding uh black men because um society doesn't want society doesn't want, want they don't want society to see successful black men they want to see us doing, uh, not succeeding and doing things that are un underachieving and letting that be the norm. And it's not, you know, everybody don't walk around with their pants off their butts. Corey, you remember me in, in college. I don't even think I owned a pair of jeans in college. All I had was slacks and sweaters. And, you know, we just, just that's how that's we true. were. Am I lying? I mean, I, I, I just, never, that's how we were. You know, we were, my dad raised me to put on a pair of pants. And, uh, yes, and, and that's that's how you know my son is totally different, but he has his own fingerprints. <laughs> I don't want him. I wasn't raising a mini me. He got my name, but he ain't me. So I trained right. him, and you know what? My training leads to trusting. So I trust him. You know what I mean? And if he gets in trouble, guess what? He gonna call me or his mother. And if his mother Absolutely. can't handle it, guess what she gonna do? She gonna call me because we Absolutely. got a partnership. We're co-parenting, and this is the last mm. point right here, and we out of here. Uh, this is the last point, and uh, Doc, you can hit this one right quick. If you, if you can hit it in about three minutes, then we'll give us a good exit, and then we're going to go. Three minutes. Uh, practice communicating better. Practice communicating better. How? how uh, what, what What would you say to people uh, that are co-parenting, that are parenting? How would you say practice? How would you address this whole parenting community, uh, parent, practice communicating better? Communication is, is the number one foundation of everything. Like, you know, we talked about earlier and just even just in a general statement point and going into the word power, life and death, you know, is in the tongue. So, I mean, number one thing, be respectful. 
you know, being respectful to one another, especially in the point of how can a child learn respect if we don't show them Absolutely. respect and then show each other respect? Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying you know, that. How can they ever do that? You know, the thing is, we don't want them to be like us, but we want them, them to model what is right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we want them to go out. And then, too, when they leave your home or when they leave, whether you're together or not, when they leave you, they're a representation of who you are. Absolutely. They don't have to be like you, but they're a representation of who you are. And again, the idea is that you want each generation thereafter to be better than your generation yes, or the sir. ones that have preceded you. You know, which brought to the point of what I what I said earlier, my goal and my desire, my my call right now is to eradicate generational curses in my side of the family. My wife, I talked to her about that, to eradicate the ones because I watch how her family communicates. I've watched how mine has communicated, you know, things of that nature. And not to say that it's all been grand. It hasn't been all great. So communication is is essential. If I yell, then what you think my child, my son gonna do? He's gonna Absolutely. yell. Absolutely. If I, if I don't speak of my wife as a queen, even on the days when she makes me upset, if I still don't say, baby, I love you, then the thing is how my son gonna ever know how to love his mama or love anyone. You know, and the thing is just like in my with my daughter, if I We've had a little hardship, but still on January 9th, I still sent a message. It doesn't matter about our hardships. I love you. Wow. So that's the whole idea of it. It's the thing is my son, 28 years old, texts me every other day, if not every day. Good morning, pops. Let's go hard to the paint. The idea of it is that's what I've always told him. I love you. Wow. So many men, especially black fathers, we don't want to show what tears look like. We don't want to show what love really looks like because a lot of us don't understand what it is because we've been taught. Don't show it. Don't express it. Don't even articulate. Don't articulate it because the thing is, is weakness. No, weakness is not as being able to cry in front of another man and not being afraid or ashamed of it. Not being afraid or, or, or ashamed to cry in front of your woman. Because the thing is, you being transparent and showing your deepest emotions from your heart. Your heart has four times as much energy as your brain. Jesus. Put your mind behind you and put your heart ahead of you. Because God loves you for your heart, not for your mind. So the thing is, that's what we have to do is communicate better with each other as parents, whether you're married or you're divorced. When we're co-parenting or when we're in this house together or outside of the house, however it may be, if there's a stepmother or stepfather, one accord, one mission, one plan, one destiny, one purpose. That's it. That's what it has to be. That's it. All right, give me your final words, right quick, Kevin. We, and then uh, we're gonna get we're gonna Kevin, we're gonna go Reggie, then we're gonna go Pastor C, and then I'll give my last little remarks. We'll be out here. Go ahead, Kevin. First thing and then foremost, thank you so much, um, James, for having me on the on the panel this evening and for allowing me to just voice and share. Um I, I thank each and each and every brother here that's that's been on this panel with me for being transparent, being honest, being direct, and everyone that's been in attendance tonight. I hope that we have touched your heart, your mind, and your spirit. But not only that, if you've shared it, I hope it hits another ear to change another life. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. I love you all, and I thank you for this time. 
That's good. Go ahead. Uh, give me, give me, what's up, Reggie? Same, uh, same thing, man. Thank you, James, for having me on, man. Thank you guys for, for your words today. Uh, definitely picked up some, some key pointers, man, that I'm going to, going to try to use. Definitely the communication part. Uh, that's one of the big things now I know with the uh, relationship that I'm, that I'm in now, man, the communication. So definitely need to work on that on my part, man. But I uh, just want to thank you. Um, thank everybody, man. Definitely. Thank you, Pastor, for the word, man. Definitely had some key points. Definitely going to be tuning into your services, man. Like the way you, you preach. So I definitely want to think of that. Also to you, Kevin, probably want to be coming in, trying to get my spine checked out. <laughs> yeah. Man, man, man. But I uh, just want to thank you guys. Thank you, James, again, man, for introducing me to these two young men, man. Right, we'll, 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 we'll get together again. This is, this will not be the last time you'll be on. Trust me. So you, thank you, man. I definitely want to say thank you to that. No problem. Corey? Yeah, I want to communicate the same thing. It's been a joy, Kevin and Reginald, to be on the uh, panel with, with both of you. Um, it's just a joy to, to, to see black men uh, doing well and with the heads on straight and and really in touch with with this fathering thing. You know, it's um, <coughs> it's you know it's it's important and and me saying that is an understatement. But uh, it's been a joy to be with you all and and James, man, just thank you for the courage to deal with these with these tough issues and with, and having conversations in a public forum, um, you know, that um, in the side of, inside of intelligence, <laughs> not just loose raggedy, you know, oh. conversation, but, but these brothers are intelligent, yeah. they're articulate and they, they are living in and dealing with these issues and so you're just to be commended man and um and, I, and again i'm humbled by you asking me to be part of it i'm glad that uh we're friends and have been so since the, the late 80s yeah. 1989 is yeah. is how long the friendship uh, between you and i have uh it's just a joy man to still be able to call you brother and yeah. thank all of thank all of those who uh <laughs> Uh, we're on tonight too. Um, hopefully, you all were helped by something that either of us or, or all of us uh, have said tonight. If if you're if you're in the chat and you're and you're a member of Bethel, let me let me know who you are. Put put put. Uh, what do y'all call yourselves at uh, at Bethel, Pastor? What do you call uh, you? Bethelites. Bethel what do y'all call Yeah, Bethelites. Uh, <laughs> if you're a Bethelite or you're from New York or from Harlem in, a, or in that area, please, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn. Let me know you're in the chat. Uh, just uh, say something. Drop a one or drop a heart or drop something. A Pastor C or we love Pastor C or something like that. But drop that in the chat and let me know that you're there. But I want to, What's up, Corey? Corey, he, he's been very... Uh, he, let me say what he... Be respectful, model right behavior, represent, communicate. That's what Corey said that we should do uh, with our children. Listen, we're going to continue to have these conversations. The name of my show is the intellectual stew okay so i want to have intellectual conversations so i want to have intellectual people on i don't want to get caught up in the minutiae of you know relationships it's easy to highlight the negatives everybody can do that right 
So I want to start really focusing on what should, not just what is, but what should be. And if we can do that, then we could change, you know, everybody, change people a little bit at a time. You know, uh, somebody told me, man, why are you doing all that mess? You need to be worried about preaching. I am preaching. <laughs> this is a whole nother form of preaching. And Corey, you know what? Amen. I know the laws. I know that I know how to execute hermeneutics. I know homiletics. I can, I promise I can put a sermon together. I can close a little bit too. All those things, right? You can. But, I've heard you do it. <laughs> not like you though. I'm trying to, I'm yeah, working man, on it. Come on, but, come uh, on, man. But look at here, though. If we can have these two-hour conversations, listen to these questions in the chat, listen to people's personal problems, be transparent. Pastor, that's what I, I told you. I said, man, they're going to see you. Remember when I texted you? I said, they're going to see you in a whole nother light, right? Because we just want to have just organic, transparent conversation. We made mistakes. I've made some mistakes, man. I'm divorced. Apparently, I made some mistakes. Surely, surely. Apparently, I've made some mistakes. You know what I'm saying? I'm transparent to enough to realize and to admit that I've made. Would I prefer to still be at home in the house with my? Yes, I would. You know what I'm saying? Am I worried about when I see her romantically involved with some... God? Yeah, I know. I might, it might break my heart, but <laughs> it is what it is. Dog. It is what it is. I think I'm delivered now, y'all. I think I'm healed. <laughs> I'm joking. No, no, I'm not really. But uh, I'm still under construction. But no, listen, for real, for real. We have this show. We did Tuesday night this week, but normally we're on Monday nights. I didn't want to fight with Alabama and Georgia last night. Thank you, Kevin, for reminding me of that. So we did tonight. Next week, we'll be back on Monday. Nine o'clock will be our normal time. Uh, Coach Reggie, I might have to call you back next week because we're doing a show on coaching next week. And hey, man, just let me know. I'm ready. Yeah, we're going to do coaching and its effect on children growing up. So we're going to do first two or three shows. I want to I want men leading and then I'll bring my panel back. My, my Monday night live crew, I'll bring them back in February. But I want men and I, I want to paint us and I want some good coaches. I ain't going to lie. And I and I I take some coach to task and I ain't going to lie all that yelling and stuff. You can't do my kids like that. You're not. And I didn't let them do it. I didn't let them do it. I stopped them. Uh, Cause I know they didn't respond to it. Cause they didn't respond to me like that. So, but uh, thank you all. Listen, if you want to get more information, you can find us uh, on YouTube at the intellectual stew with James Kirkland, or you can go to our website, the intellectual If you're looking for any merchandise, like our shirts uh, on the path to better, that's my hashtag. You see that going across the bottom there uh, on the path to better. If you want to get any type of our merchandise, all you have to do is go to our website and you can find it. Corey, I'm going to have you a shirt coming in the mail this week. I just need to get your size because I want to thank you for participating. You want, large. A, you want a hoodie or you want a shirt or t-shirt? Either one, large. Well, guess what? This is a large hoodie right here. Come on with it. All right, give me, send me your address in my inbox. It's coming to you, right? Okay. It, it's a, that, that's a large hoodie. It's already, already done. So that'll be yours. Uh, Doc, I know you already got your uniform, so what I need you, you yeah, got. I, I, I need one with these color. I need some red, red and white. Red and, white. Got, yeah, red. and Reggie, we're gonna meet up. Reggie, we're gonna meet up in the next week or so too. I need your size, and I'm gonna get y'all. So next time y'all come on, y'all will be able to be in uniform with your on the path to better shirts on, because that that's our hashtag. Our hashtag is on the path to better. And uh, that's what I want us to focus on. Now, if anybody wants to be a blessing to what we're trying to do, 
of course you're welcome to uh give to the cash app i do put that out there i mean it's not i mean i'm i'm trying to work it's some other things that i want to do it's some other things that i want to do and i will eventually uh but until then i want you all to remember one thing and i always say this whenever i close out a show i say these words right here that the world is changing my question for you is why do you remain the same have a good night and we'll see you next time have a good night everybody thank you for joining me